along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses down some of the interviews that we conducted on our weekend Scoreline show. On this episode, we'll hear Carlo Senior Football post-match reaction from managers and Willie Quinlan. We also caught up with Carlo LGFA Secretary Donald Nolan, talking about a busy weekend there. Cora Delaney, Games Promotions Officer with Kilkenny GAA, joined us. Manchester United versus Liverpool talk with Willie Carroll from the Carlos Manchester United Supporters Club. John McLean talks joining Treaty United, while Brian O'Reilly from the Carlo and District League talks all things KCLR Shield. Joe Sheen gives us a Greyhound update while Eddie Scally, our own Eddie Scally, talks about the cancellation of the Goran Festival as speed. Finally, our head of sport here at KCLR, Ken Maguire, breaks down the weekend's fights. First up, Carlos Senior Football Post Match. Turlough finished all square could have went either way but there was a few cards and a little bit of disappointment you, you probably should have put it to bed but you didn't you allowed Bagnall Stone back in well they had three extra men so I wasn't that uh, surprised at the result at the end of the day in fairness like I thought it was your great character yeah. played fantastic football in the second half and just didn't get the rub of the green in the end you didn't get the rub of the green didn't get the rub of the green what do you make of the cards I'd have to see them again I suppose that's what you always say <laughs> okay it was a definite penalty, to be fair. Everybody felt that. Find yeah. own token, well, put them into the game. They were no, never, no, 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 they were no, never no, yeah, no, it. Fine, yeah. Look at, look at, no complaints with the goals. Okay. No. Overall, draw, you're, you're probably feeling you should have won It was a good game, except yeah. for anyone here watching it, it was a good game. You know, Bagmiston were very well organised. Um, you know, it was a strong breeze in the first half, played against the played smart, so they did. We made a lot of mistakes in the first half. Unforced errors, you know, uh, Poor choices and kicking from difficult positions. Yeah, uh, five, five minutes was added, and you were you were well up at that stage. Looked like it was home and hose, but they, they really finished well because they hadn't scored in the lot for a, a long yeah, time. Sure, look at these things happen in games, don't they? It sets up the championship, doesn't it? Hope it's always going to be like this. Yeah. It's always going to be like this. You know, to be competitive. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you back in management. It's wonderful to be back. <laughs> you're doing a lot of cycling, but you're back. You're back involved anyway. But yeah, your, yeah. it's your life, isn't it? Ash, look, it's we're all part of isn't it you know it's your club and that's where you want to be well, well listen know? best of luck on forward we talked here it's going to be busy next few weeks for us so we're going Absolutely. to be busy helter skelter now so this for a few weeks yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark is a bit unlucky in the championship I know you're his uncle Mary the aunt yeah. a bit unlucky yeah, yeah yeah it just didn't happen for him you know unfortunately you know it just shows that level like competition is oh, it's tough incredible like yeah yeah but a great fella he's a great well, fella he's a great chap yeah well done listen yeah. we'll talk to you again Hurlow okay. and uh, I know you would have liked to have won it but it's a draw it's not the end of the world absolutely absolutely no we're very positive thanks thanks a million Hamish, I don't know whether you're happy or sad, but uh, you finished that game well. You went without scores for a long time in the second half, but to be fair, you, it was good game management by Bagley and Gales. Well, we were delighted, really, I suppose, at the end of the day. So I don't think we've ever beaten or even drawn with Aerog in since we've come up seeing a championship, so it's definitely... Uh, we improved when we went five points down with about nine minutes to go. It looked... Not great, which is the way they took it out and got the goal and two points back. We were delighted. They're a good bunch of lads. They try hard, and uh, I suppose a lot of them have come back after the hurling and they're in decent shape, you know. So, look, Ronnie's good now with the next game, so we'll see how we get on next week. With five minutes to go, as you said, it looked like they were gone, but you obviously must have known there was five minutes coming because you probably needed a goal. I think you were three down to level it at the time, but he he didn't know at the time. I don't think he was passing in that ball somehow. (laughs) He might try to say he was, but he was just a a poor kick and that worked out very well. (laughs) And in fairness, you didn't have chance in the second half. Robbie dropped one or two short, and you must have been disappointed with that. And we'd also, if you gone up the field balls that were cut out and that shouldn't have been cut out and actually three of them led to scores for their org and in the modern game like turnovers are 
that are killer on a team and if we try to keep those as limited as possible and then, and then with seven, eight minutes to go you just go for it we brought out our goalie he competed in the middle of the field broke two balls the ball let the score so yeah, and in the opening half, before I do let you go, you did allow them on their own kick out. You get them a bit of space, you stayed back. Well, we but felt, to be fair, you broke you yeah. broke the tackle and well, it worked well for you. Well, we went against the wind. If if it was, if we lost the ball, but say in the middle of the field, we might be a bit open at the back. So we said we take our chances. But like, we have a pacey team and first couple of them, the, if they keep it simple, they're, a, they're not a bad football team. So, but as I say, like we're delighted because, like, we haven't with the hurling. I suppose realistically, we didn't know where we were at tonight, you know. And so we're delighted with the performance. Okay, well, listen, we'll have a word with you in the coming weeks. It's going to be right. busy, Hamish. I'm sure. Well, sure. It's we're great. Fifteen weeks waiting to get busy. So, <laughs> listen, thanks a million. Okay, thanks, Hamish. Paddle, that's a big win, one nineteen to five, and you set out your stall early. You got a few nice scores and. You didn't allow them into the game, and in fairness to Rangers, to try to get involved, but you defended very well. Yeah, like like look, Brendan, I suppose um, the, the you know the month of June and July was very hard for us. We had a lot of lads went to the states on holidays. A lot of lads were away for four or five weeks, but the players aren't uh, aren't professional players. We're here to enjoy life, and uh, I think you covered the tournament in Palestine last week, and it's all about enjoying GA, enjoying sport, and the lads have enjoyed themselves for the last four or five weeks since we came back training properly together. And uh, yeah, I think that came out in the field tonight that they're enjoying the football. They worked hard. I know Rangers were down, I think, eight players talking to um, Eddie Byrne Sr. before the start of the match there tonight. So they, they were down a huge amount of players tonight. They weren't the same team that we played in the county quarterfinal. But tonight was really important about getting the W on the board, whether it was by one point or whatever the score is tonight. It, it doesn't matter. And I suppose all eyes turn towards Raffili next weekend. They're the county champions. They have two of the best footballers, not only probably in Carlo, but in the country, and Brendan Murphy and Mark Murphy looking at, and Brian Murphy as well, to Murphy. And, you know, they have a serious, serious team, they have a number of uh, established and senior players who are operating off the bench going by the, the programme from last night and I know they've been training hard so like they've been training hard all summer long whereas we're only coming together so every game we go out we'll improve, it's a hugely uh, young bunch of lads in there with a, I suppose a Original haircuts, shall I call it, the way they, uh, they're, they're, they're yeah, not... They did well tonight. You know, Brian McMahon, he was comfortable out there. You know, they all, they all done well. And Conor Crowley, to be fair, he has a bit of experience, but took the scores well. Yeah. Tomas and the Kennys, done well. everybody yeah. collectively. Shane O'Neill kicked a few lovely scores early on. It, it is, but, like, uh, you know, yeah, everyone did their bit tonight, and that was the thing I was happy about. Nobody... We didn't win tonight because somebody had a, a 10 out of 10 game. We won because everyone contributed to it. And even the subs in the line tonight, the fellas who didn't come on, we've been training so hard. They're absolutely vital to us. They're playing a junior match tomorrow night. They'll be putting their hands hopefully up for places next week in the, the junior cha- after the junior championship game last night. But look, let's be honest about it, Brendan. If I asked you or any of your uh, experts in the audience who won the first round championship in uh, Carlow last year, nobody would have a clue. This is a competition to see who can get to the county semi-final quickest. And that's the whole idea of it. The great thing is you're off to a great start. You have two points on the board. Yeah, and that's what tonight was all about. Well, well done, Pod. And we look, forward to, we look forward to seeing you next week. And uh, you were saying to me last week, you don't know how you'd be felt in Carlow. I mean, a hurling man coming in. But after tonight, there was a few hurlers up around Muckalee and Comer listening to us anyway. And listen, well done. We'll see you next weekend. Thanks very much, Brendan. Come on, thanks. Thanks. <laughs>
Pat, it, it wasn't a good night at the office, but Rangers always proved to be a team hard to beat in the Carlow Championship. But let's be fair, short eight or nine players in your opening game is never simple. And in fairness, the lads competed well, but you just couldn't get the scores. No, no. Like when you're down the calibre of the players, we were short tonight. Like when you're that coming into the game, and like what do you do? We just hadn't him, and like I think it was nine, nine, definitely eight starters. But please God, we might have them back for next week. You know, some of them. There's a plane on the way from San Francisco tonight. Anyway, yeah, there's, there's a good few lads on it. There's a good few lads on it, however way they'll be when they get off of it. But yeah. you look, that's that's the joys of it. You only the, split, the split season doesn't help when you're a, a, an upfront hurling team as well. Like lads have to take their holidays. Also. They have, yeah. Like it's a long season, and like most of the boys that's gone, that were with a county team, like after the club championship last year again, Ballyhale, and straight back with a county team, and then back with the hurling championship, and yeah. like they needed a break too, like and. Still, still loads of matches to play Pat I know Pal were efficient tonight they, they got up a great score and you had no answer to them really but there's still but, matches to go and Rangers always proved to be a, a handful in this competition uh, yeah well, we, we won't throw in the towel yet Brendan that's for Would, sure wouldn't be like yeah no 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 we'll be there or thereabouts you know and next week it's crucial game again all Auckland and you know then we have Radville but sure look one game at a time but tonight we were over there tonight ok Pat thanks for having a chat thank you Brendan thanks very much Stephen, you'd have to be happy with that performance to finish with 3-12 on any given day, regardless of the opposition, as a good return. Yeah, look, it was to be honest, it was a shaky start. You know, I think probably the lads were nervous. I don't know if they'd worked out the significance of the game last night that made this a sort of a first cousin of a knockout game. Um, so we were probably shaky, but two superb goals. Look, we probably weren't value for the lead we had at half-time. Eight points was probably very generous, but look, you have to get good goals. Cahill made a great save. It could easily have gone in there, two points up at half-time, you know, so we'd a bit of... We had a bit of a comfort zone, but we probably managed the second half very well. That's probably something we've, we've got better at as the, this year, I suppose, maybe compared to last year. You defended very well, and when the ball did go forward, you kicked some nice scores, because I think until uh, Niall Lowry got the free, everything had been scored from play, so that's good from a manager's point of view also. Yeah, look, I'd have to get the stats on it now, but there was a good spread of scores, I think, um, as, there, as there generally has been. So yeah, you'd be happy with that. Look, we, we, you know, there were probably a lot of good structured scores, a few superb kicks in fairness. Got a few long ranges early, early on, which is always... Always nice to at least make the opposition think you can shoot from there all the time anyway. Yeah, Connor Brennan match with a tool, lovely finishing. Yeah, well look, Connor Connor's turned into probably one of the sharp shooters in Carlo. Um, a man who took a bit of a, a break from football for a few years his, his ball striking a superb Matt as well, you know, um, probably Cova didn't treat Matt very well. He, he probably wasn't a sharp last year, but he came in there, you know, we're 50-50 who was going forward during the week. We thought Matt just he'd given three assists for goals in four games, and we said we'd give it to him. And I think he might score four or five in there. You might know before I do, yeah, but no, he, he did, yeah. And he kicked some great ones. Yeah, he scored four, yeah. yeah two, no, two, he did. Two, two in the first half. Crack, two in the second. Yeah. Crack a great football brain, you know, one of the top football brains I've come across. And the old dog for the hard road, Mr. Redmond, doing quite well today. Knows where the goal is as well. Moved in around the full forward line and dispatched two crackers. Yes, you, you, you could play Redmond anywhere, right? <laughs> just, just, just a shout or not two or three. You know? <laughs> and listen the most important thing we can talk about stats and what happened Stephen during the game but the moral of the story Tim Ryland have two points on the leaderboard now in the Carlow Championship yeah look it's great as I say I came down here I was planning on staying in the Lord Magna last night and having a point and relaxing this kind of been a bonus game but the draw last night I didn't say to the boys I don't know how many of them worked it out but it had massive implications yeah. if we lost there today we had to go out and be there at Oga and Bagnallstown or at least win one and draw one yeah. so it's given us massive massive breathing space obviously the second game you know we could actually potentially 
potentially be qualified before we play our Oak at this stage. So that's just a lot with one or two significant players injured. That's you know, it'd be nice if we could plan for three weeks down the road primarily, but look, we'll see how next weekend pans out. But look, it's nice to go and play an air Oak where your life's not on the line. Okay, you can you can look you can look forward to where your life's not on the line. <laughs> well listen, well done tonight and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks very much. Thanks, Stephen, good man, thank you. Pat, good to see you again. Uh, you're obviously happy. Two points on the board in the JJ Cavanaugh Suns. That's all we wanted for here today was to get, get a result and uh, we're happy with the result. Of course, we'll go analysing the performance and all that kind of stuff. like you know. But if anyone ever thought that uh, a locker room were going to be easy today, it's, it's, it's some illusion, isn't it? Yeah, they're never easy. They're never easy, no. I mean, they're proud. Proud club. Very good players, you know. Wholehearted, you know. And... Uh, and uh, up to us uh, today here and um, we had to pull a, f- a few little things out of the drawer and and luckily enough to do it you, you certainly did got a bit of a present at the end the poor kick out gave you the goal but you got to take them when you get the chance and in saying that in a debutant in senior football championship Carla Brandon Kelly and I think uh, tonight by his performance worth the admission feel on he was really outstanding for Radville absolutely and he's a wonderful young man and uh, an amazing uh, attitude you know and uh, he's everything that you want in a player and he's willing to learn and he's patient and he's a very skillful boy and very knowledgeable boy and he's a great shooter at home as well. Yeah, and uh, well he has, I was just a bit talking to his dad there a moment ago. Uh, well you have lots of experience, uh, one great thing about Radville over the last two years, especially under your management, lots of young new players introduced and they're all playing very well. And if you look at the, the mature young players like the likes of Connor Dial, uh, Jake Elliott, Parrick Deering and these lads, they've really settled in to become good senior players but covered a lot of ground tonight and in, 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 Connor in particular at half back, he covered a lot of grass feet there tonight. Uh, yeah, Connor, I mean, Connor Dial is, is, is an amazing young lad, you know, and uh, he has an incredible attitude. He just turns up, says nothing, and everything is action. Does his bit. Does his bit. Does his job, and does more. And his running speed, his ability, the power of him, and running speed is phenomenal. It's just phenomenal, you know. And Pat, looking at it collectively, while we picked out uh, Brandon's great, outstanding performance in his opening match, and, the, and I know we can't put young fellas on pedestals, but his performance put him. He put himself on a pedestal. Like, as a panel, you did well. Your changes worked well. Carlow football supporters and Radville people wonder Brendan Murphy was through the wars tonight. How was he at the end of the game? Ah, Brendan is uh, he's, he's, he's sore and bruised, you know. But, but he will be okay. Uh, he will be okay, you know, and uh, and thankfully for that as well, you know. And um, look, it was a tough game. It was a dogged game, and in fairness to the referee, like he 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 lived on the edge too, you know, both sides and. What, what, what can anyone say? Like, it was a good a, test for you in the opening round it also. A, it was a great test and, 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 and it was a test that we've been looking forward to for a, for a, a considerable length of time and we got it. Thankfully that we got it. You know. Was there a bit of pressure on even though it's the first match as county champions you gave a great run last year you were league champions they've got a good innings with this Radville team but a little bit to do but to get over the first hurdle is great. Of course you know get over the first hurdle like you know that's 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 really you know is to get your hand up you know and um as champions, that's our first match to play in a championship, you know, and um, that puts a different taste in your mouth as well. And there's lots of expectations on from all over the county about how are Rafferty going to do and what 
what way are they prepared and this, that and the other. But Put a bit of pressure on you, Pat, they're saying your favourites now. Not before, not tonight, not after tonight, but before tonight. Yeah, but I mean, uh, at the end of the day, like, uh, Red Philly will wear that tag too. You <laughs> that know? is, they wore it well last year. <laughs> Listen, before I let you go, you're a great all-around sportsman, spoke to you last year, boxing going well in Ireland, sport in general is going well, you've been keeping well and keeping an eye on all that's happening inside the ring also, I suppose. You, that's a big boxing coach also. 100%. Um, I suppose it was half the day in the gym today, you know, yeah. with, with lads getting ready for international competition like you know but look at this all going very well and I think um, the changes uh, within the IABA you know will bear fruit and uh, it's something that you know uh, sometimes there needs to be changes you know and uh, I think now that there's 338 members of the company they have spoken and they have spoken very well of course the minister uh, you know uh, is sort of demanding that we have these reforms we don't have any issue with most of the reforms, but we definitely want to be the directors of our own destiny. Yeah, well, that's a fair comment. Yeah, and I think uh, in truth, like the minister is 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 good. He's very supportive. He's understanding, and I look forward to the negotiation table because that's where our business will be done now, and uh, the. Um, the protest that day, we say, or the EGM down in Roscommon, was a very simple protest. 338 members, 82% of the vote, said no, no, no. And it was really just to bring things to closure. A number of people have, you know, resigned, who have been um, involved in the leadership of the of the IAB over the last five years. And I think um, it's time for change. There's going to be many changes, and I think they're all going to be for the better. But they're going to be, the, the changes that are going to be made will be made by the elected people of the IABA. Well, we look forward to that, and thanks for the update on that, Paddy. Appreciate yeah. that, and we look forward to that happening, and we look forward to the next round in the Carlos Senior Football Championship at Radley, which is next week, so it's going to be a busy Absolutely. few weeks for Pat Ryan, yeah. but yeah. only a short journey to Port Leash anyway. Short run now, <laughs> <laughs> short run back in the morning, you know. Okay, well, listen, thanks for having a chat, and thanks best of luck this year. Thanks very much, brother. Well, man. No thanks a million. I sure look at it, um, you know yourself. It's mad stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah still it was a... Uh, Barry, obviously a little bit disappointed because you were well in it at the end. You got back into it with a great goal. It was only two points in it, but then you sucker punch, gave away possession, and you were punished. Ah, yeah. Um, we probably just didn't play as well as we could have in the first half. We felt like we were very low in energy in the first half, probably supporting the ball from behind. Uh, weren't as, as good as we could have been uh, we dressed that at half time fairness lads came out they worked very hard um, we got the break we got the goal and you know we probably just didn't push on and then uh, just the, the last goal was just you know time is up and unfortunately uh, we play a high risk strategy in our kickouts, and unfortunately it just uh, went against us and looking in the first half great goal chance Willie got through and nine times out of ten he put it away and it didn't happen and those things turn games yeah and look probably we got two goal chances we took one they probably got no goal chance and they, they got the goal from that um, but you know like Raffili are a great team that's why they're county champions and uh, look we'll just dust off now we've a big game again next week um, against um, Munster Rangers uh, so they have their, they'll have their players back so I presume it'll be a difficult game for us but surely you can take a few positives out of tonight because you did a good few positive things out there. Okay, you didn't win the game, but there was a few nice things happened for all Lachlan tonight. Ah, yeah, and I, like I said to the lads during the week, like the transition is over. Like everybody's talking about the transition out in Lachlan. We had uh, seven deb- debutants last year in the championship. Uh, we had none start, and we brought on two new guys. Um, you know, like we're trying to develop a, 
a good team out there. Uh, and like we played an awful lot of challenge games, but really the only place they learn is in the high heat of battle and championship. Uh, they'll come on a lot from that. We've a lot to, we, we'll take an awful lot of positives. We'll look at the stuff that didn't work so well for us, and we'll try and improve on that. And uh, we'll try and put our best foot forward for next week. We'll see you next week, Barry. And thanks for having a chat. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Championship. Joining me now on the line is KCLR analyst Willie Quinlan. Willie, thanks very much for taking the call, sir. No bother, Shane. Uh, Willie, I suppose, from your own perspective, how excited are you to be getting back into the championship? Yeah, sure, it is great to be getting back into it, I suppose. We've, we've waited so long, you know, that the first, first couple of weeks of the championship has been hurling, and now we're back into the, to the, the football, and we had four good games over the weekend. You sound like you're in that watch Cullen Park. Do you, do, do you ever leave there? <laughs> I am indeed. I'm here again. I'm actually uh, Aero intermediates are playing they've won 22 minutes gone in the second half and it's 0 one eleven. they've won 1-4 so a little preview there for you that you weren't expecting <laughs> you're living and breathing <laughs> it I suppose it, yeah. I suppose we'll go back to the first game of the of the championship which was Bagnallstown Gales versus Air Oak. Uh, it seemed like it really got the championship off to a fascinating start with that being the draw game yeah, definitely. And um, if we were talking the preview with Chenea the previous week, not not unexpected. Um, Aerog haven't been going well. Uh, lost a good few players, three or four injuries still to come back. Um, did find themselves five points up in the second half, but couldn't hold on. In fairness to Bagnestown Gales, they lost up 3-8 on the night, scored three three good goals. Well, well, we'd have to say the first one was probably went for a point and it dipped in under the crossbar, but um, Aerog had a couple of chances, didn't take them. When they were five points up, and, you know, credit to Bangestone Gales, stuck with them, got back into it and, and deserved a draw. We were talking to Kieran Cunningham there recently and he was saying that they're not just going to be happy with getting to a semi-final and then getting past the semi-final and just getting to a final. They're looking to win the whole thing. And I suppose every team would say that, but what's the realistic chances of someone like Bagnallstown Gales, like they did on the hurling side of things, defeating Mount Leinster Rangers, getting to the final, but doing one better than the hurlers and coming out of the county championship? Yeah, it's it's not going to be easy. They are, in fairness, they are building, are doing really well. They've a nice young balanced team coming up, and um, the, the you know very strong under twenties with a good good minor team, but um, done really well in, in Holland. You'd have to say, I think that you know the farm team definitely has to be Raffili, and it's, it's, they proved it again on, on last night's performance. But Pakistan Gales will be a difficult uh, opponent for any team, and Aerog found out that on Friday night. Yeah, just because you mentioned him there, Ratfilly, um, the, the, Pat Ryan, what kind of influence has he had over this side? Like, I know Ratfilly were always a force, but something seems to be really in the water there. A lot of people are saying it's kind of his boxing background that he's bringing in and helping with the fitness of the players. What have you noticed, Willie, from Ratfilly over the past two years? Well, it's, it's, it's also the players that they have to have. And they like to Brendan Murphy, who stopped playing in, inter-county, Brian Murphy, the same. Yeah. And they're really slotting in for their, their club. They're actually getting a rest while the, the from, from the county, but it's definitely helping them. I see with Aero, Sean Gannon, it's the same. It helps the player, you know. And Brendan, is, Brendan to me, would still be able to play inter-county. He's that sort of a player. He's a, a huge, really strong player. He, he really influences the game, you know, from, from the centre of the field. And they're bringing on a nice bunch of, of young guys as well. You have to Brandon Kelly, first championship game last night, scored 1-4. Uh, one three from play and scored a mark and was exceptional uh, on the old minor. Conor O'Neill, our minor two years, only a chap as well, came in the middle of the field actually for Brendan Murphy. So th- there's a great mixture of, 
old and and uh, young lads there experience as well, and that's what you have to do. You have to be able to blend blend the, the experienced players with the younger players. Uh, that game was two twelve to two six in Rathilly's favour against Old Lachlan. Uh, I was kind of following along. It was a, a bit tight for uh, long periods of time before Rathvilly started pulling ahead. You know, it definitely was. There was only two points in it and a poor kick out from, from the uh, O'Loughlin goalkeeper gave away a ball and uh, ended up in the back of the net. And only for that, uh, O'Loughlin were really, really in the game. And Brendan was only after going off prior to that, a couple of minutes he picked up a hip injury. And O'Loughlin were starting to get into it. O'Loughlin had a couple of chances earlier on. Mikey, Mikey Bambrick had a, a great chance for goal earlier on, didn't take it, took one in the second half. But O'Loughlin were right in the game, suppose, to, to five minutes to go. And just uh, weren't able to take the scores that Rafaeli were. So would they be kind of feeling that they left it behind them more so than they they lost to a much better team? Uh, no, I, I won't say it left it behind them because Rafaeli always always seemed to be, you know, uh, on, on top. They always seemed to be able to pull away. All often to get within two points, three points, and uh, uh, Rafaeli just be able to notch on a point or notch on a score as soon as they got. It. So they always seemed to be in control. Um, Rafaeli never looked like losing, but. Well, Lachlan did have their chances to, to, to get up and, and maybe draw draw the game as well. Like uh, Looking at Palatine then, Pat O'Flynn in charge there, leaving the hurling going into the football, but they enjoyed a great win over Mount Leinster Rangers, 119 to five points. Were you expecting that? Um, n- not not the manner of def- defeat, but I heard actually yesterday I was talking to a Mount Leinster Rangers man and there was nine players missing off the Mount Leinster Rangers. Now that is difficult for yeah. any team. To, to be missing those kind of players and you, you just can't afford because you can't replace and there would have been eight of them would have been starters so you can't really replace them uh, so from that point of view definitely wasn't expecting Palantine but on the other hand Palantine ha- have Conor Lawler back he opted for the hurling there this year the, uh, uh, Kieran Moran is back from his travels he he was away Conor Crowley is back from his travels he was away so from that point of view they, they are um, they are a little bit stronger than they would have been in, in the league uh, definitely wasn't expecting one nineteen, but they played some great football, moved the ball really well, uh, looked strong on the ball, and uh, got some great scores. And they'll be very happy with their first match. Yeah, it was Pat Hickey that we heard on the post match saying about the players missing. I would have assumed because they went out, they had a knock on effect on them last year, winning the county championship, and then they were back out in in on, into the football side of things. I think there was only a week break, and celebrations were had. Uh, I know the same happened to Rathvilly when they were going on to Leinster, but I thought the break maybe for Mount Leinster Rangers leaving, going out on the hurling side of things in the semi-final would have a good knock-on effect on their football campaign. Yeah, you would you would imagine, but things things have changed on there. The management has changed, you know, the, the couple of selectors have changed, so uh, di- different things, and that that can I suppose upset a, a team as well. And then when you have that many guys away, it's difficult to you know to perform on the stage. Those guys. Only coming back, uh, supposedly today, the lot of them were away on holiday. So, uh, not easy for Mount Leinster Rangers. Um, the law was causing upset. The biggest problem they had was was um, getting getting scores in front of the goal. They were creating the chances, but they just couldn't get the scores. And Palantine got them re- very easy and deserved to be winning the game. Yeah, and talking about winning of the game, Tin Ryland three twelve to Ballinabrana's eight points. That was a big victory there for Tin Ryland in terms of score. Yeah, very impressed with, with Tin Ryland. Now, again, it started off re- really slow, slow tempo. It was four points all at one stage. And then Shane Redmond stepped up and banged in a goal and they got a couple of points. And they went, they went uh, I suppose, clear at halftime. Ended up 3-12 three, three to 8 points. Deserved, deserved winners. Uh, Shane Redmond, I suppose, one of the standouts. Dermot Walsh played really well. But there's a new guy that I haven't seen before. It's uh, Connor Brennan is his name. 
full forward, looked really natural, good on the ball, scored one three from play. Every chance he got in, he was well able to take it, able to win his own ball. And uh, they defended really well and um, got some great scores. And, you know, they'll be very happy with their, their first round match as well. Yeah, you were just mentioning, lads, you can still play a county. Shane Redmond definitely could anyway after yesterday's performance. Yeah, no question about it. He got two goals, he got two goals uh, last night from the middle of the field. Just seemed to stroll into the full forward line, pick up the ball and uh, well-experienced, bash them into the back of the net. Looks very fit, looks very strong and very mobile on the field, was middle of the field last night and uh, had a great game uh, for Tim Well, there's some quick turnaround times now of games in the Michael Ling Motors Hyundai Senior Football Championship. Back out on the 26th, Bagnastown Gales going up against uh, Brandon Abrana Friday night at half seven. I suppose we'll be there for that one as well, Willie. Yeah, definitely, and you'd be, you'd definitely be, uh, uh, should be a good game, but you'd be expecting Bagnastown Gales you know, to, to put in a good performance and, and have possibly get their second, uh, maybe their third point in the game because they are very strong. Um, the, 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 I'd be expecting definitely, definitely to beat Van LeBron and looking at the way Van LeBron played yesterday. And then Rathvilly going up against Palatine then quarter past seven on the Saturday. Yeah, that could be a very interesting game, especially if Brendan Murphy is missing and, he, and it looked like from the injury that he picked up that he probably was going, he's going to be missing. So Palatine with their tails up uh, scored 119 in the first game and They'll be expecting, you know, to, to do good things. But Raffili, difficult team to beat. They are the farm team, and uh, he's probably expecting just Raffili to to beat, win by a couple of points. But it should be a tight game. And then at two o'clock on the Sunday, you have Stephen O'Mara going up against Turlough O'Brien, the former Tin Ryland versus Air Oak. Anyway, you're going to see that one going. That's going to be a dog again because the way Tin Ryland played, to get lots and lots of men behind the ball, they frustrate things as they did last night. Now I know Air Oak are expected to have uh, Jordan Morrissey back, Darrell O'Brien back. Big names. And uh, Shane Buggy coming back into the team. So they'll be a big help as well. They're lacking a little bit of physicality to me in, in the back lane. And that's, you know, that could be their downfall. But that, that should be a tight game. It really depends on uh, first 10 minutes or 20 minutes. If Aero can get ahead and get a couple of goals and maybe draw out Tenryland to come out of defensive shape, well, then they'd have a good chance of winning. But if Tenryland can hold on and frustrate them and get a couple of scores themselves, then they'll make it very difficult for Aero. So it could be a tight match as well. I haven't seen any announcement in regards to Old Lachlan versus Mount Leinster Rangers. Is that uh, taking a week off or are those teams going to have a bit of a break? Well, well from what I hear, the match was down to play to be on next Sunday as well. But seemingly Mount Leinster Rangers uh, might not... Might not uh, play that game uh, due to the, the fixtures and guys only coming back from holiday so um, it's hard to know it could be a difficult one but O'Loughlin uh, looked strong last night against Raffaele even though they didn't win but it uh, should be a tight game Well Willie thanks very much for taking the call I'll let you get back to the game in Netwatch Cullen Park any update on the score? Thanks, I'll just give you a score yeah, Nave won right back into it 3-5 here uh, 14 points and Aerog won 12-15 points really tight game Absolute star Willie thanks very much for taking thanks, the call yeah. Thank you thanks bud that's Willie Quillen giving us an update on everything that is happening in the Carlo Senior Football Championship. That was the post-match reaction from the Carlo Senior Football Championship. Now we talk to Carlo LGFA Secretary Donald Nolan. On the line is Donald Nolan, the Secretary of the Carlo LGFA. Donald, thanks very much for taking the call. Quite sudden as well. <laughs> That's no bother, Shane. Thanks for that. Yeah, the Intermediate Championship took precedent on Friday and Saturday. Meeting of Ratville and Mount Leinster Rangers kicking off proceedings. Uh, how did that go down? Uh, Ratville and Mount Leinster Rangers. Um, that was, I actually have no result for that one yet. I didn't get a result in for that one yet. That's what I mean. It was sudden <laughs> yeah. when I called you. Yeah. Well, how yeah, did the weekend go in, in, in general? 
Um, so far, so good. I suppose on Thursday, the Junior Championship, um, we're into the second round of the Championship. So the Junior Championship between St. Andrews and Calavin Clonigal um, played on Thursday night. Calavin Clonigal had a, a convincing win there. So they're, yeah, they're moving well there. They haven't played their first round game yet, but they're going, they're going quite well by all accounts. So they'll be a, a force in the Junior Championship, definitely. And today, then, there's some big meetings that are happening within the championship. Uh, you have a repeat of last year's final in store for Ursley O'Loughlin versus Bennett Kerrington, Ryland going head to head. It's just a lot of huge games to consider. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's tonight in, in Malasha Park, O'Loughlin, 7 o'clock. Uh, O'Loughlin and Bennett Kerrington, Ryland, who, who would be the two probably. Uh, Predominant teams in the in the senior championship over the past few years, and both teams would be putting a lot of players forward towards the the county team as well. Benner Kerry Kinryland this year would have nine or ten players uh, involved with the county team, and O'Loughlin, you know, six or seven. So they've they're only really getting back together as as club teams now and getting the brain together, you know, full time when the since the county commitments have finished. So yeah, that'll be an interesting game because both teams have, have met each other in finals a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, also tonight in the senior championship we have St Anne's and Fenna, and th- that could be an interesting game as well. St Anne's obviously will be without. Uh, Dan O'Brien who's uh, away in Japan representing uh, the Irish rugby team. So congratulations to her. It's huge and, news, well isn't it? Yeah, well done to Dana. Like, you know, she's been with the county team there all year as well, the past few years. And uh, she's a fantastic player. And it's it's just brilliant to see uh, a, a local player make it uh, with, on the international team and, and start the whole, start and play the whole game and have a top-class game. Yeah, no, she's a fantastic player. Uh, coming away with a massive victory as well. Japan ranked yeah. number 13th in the world. Uh, it, it's just amazing to see these these players being highlighted uh, so much. Of course, Clean and Nishé as well been highlighted last year and various different people on the Littlewoods ads. It's just great to see that there's been a real uh, yeah. p- massive push and focus on uh, Carlo LGFA and LGFA in general. Yeah, and I was speaking to Clina the other day and now she's, you know, she's, she's going well with her rehab. She's six months back in six months, I should say, since the injury. So, you know, it's probably a nine-month injury and she's she's back doing a bit. So she'll be she'll be a huge help to Carlo when she's back and obviously to Ben Carry to Ireland. Um, and so, yeah, they're, um, yeah, they're, uh, you know, and Rachel Sawyer, I suppose, on the, on, on the, on the little lads on the, yeah. on, the, on the billboards. It's just brilliant to see it. And, you know, that's what we're all about, promoting, uh, you know, ladies and ladies football and Carlo and, uh, you know, the likes of those players are, are real role models for the rest of the young girls coming along. You know, at the moment we have we have an under twelve camp uh, going on, a kind of fun skills camp going on in, in, in two locations across the county and there's over a hundred kids coming to that. So they all they come and they see Clean and Nishay helping out there with the coaching and and, uh, and some of the other county players as well are coming up coming in there and giving their time and it's you know they recognise those players now you know those those 11, 12 year old girls come in and they see the, the, the inter-county players there and they recognise them from seeing them on streams or being at games and whatever and it's you know it's you know, you have to see it. You know, first, and it, it it really does. It really does give them something to aspire to. Then, when to see those top class players there, yeah, because. Being in the media, you so often get caught up in the adult game side of things and you talk about the senior games, the intermediate, the junior games, but there's so much that goes into making those games happen and that's starting from the grassroots level. We spoke to Cora Delaney, who's a Kilkenny GEA GPO as well, and just hearing the work that she's put in over the the summer to try and help expand the game. Now, I know that's in a hurling sense. Uh, it's just yeah. been tremendous to hear. What kind of work was going in then 
for yourselves in the LGFA over the past summer? Oh, well, I suppose we have the likes of our fundamentals coaching courses and we want to push on into the level one courses and get those, get the coaches coached up first, I suppose. And that's that's what's going to drive good underage players, that when players come into a county setup, be it at under 14 or 16, whatever age the player, you know, develops and comes and, and comes in right, you know, uh, you know, a good 12-year-old or a good, doesn't necessarily make a good 14-year-old player. So a player can develop at 14 and be a really good player, but they have to have, had that coaching at the club level first, so our our focus is is on is on getting uh, club coaches coached to to a good level, and and that that kind of coaching feeds into the players. That when the players come into the county setup, or even not necessarily in the county setup, but in, even playing in their own clubs, that the, the that the quality of player that we're bringing through is is improving all the time, and that can only be done with uh you know with good coaching and 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 being coached to play the game properly and to play the game. The way it should be played and the right and in the right manner. Uh, I, I just I should mention actually Shane as well that uh, we had a game abandoned last night through an injury an intermediate championship game between St Bridges of Clonmore and Era Oak. Uh, so that game was in Clonmore last night and it was an injury. So I just want to wish uh, good luck to Sarah Fury there. She was injured during that game, so the game had to be had to be called off. The player couldn't be moved. So until the until the um, the uh, uh, first responders came and and and, and moved the player. So I hope I hope she's done okay today now and. Uh, we get that game played eventually I suppose Yeah I was going to ask I've seen the scary news that was released on Twitter there from Air Oak yeah. in regards to yeah. it and her thoughts are with herself and wishing her a speedy recovery um, mm-hmm. Donald we, we, we spoke about kind of idols like Tina and Rachel Sawyer and someone who stuck out for me because I didn't know her story and I heard her on KCLR during the week and I was very well aware um, of her exploits in terms of refereeing but Pamela Hayden speaking out and talking about endometriosis I have sisters who are involved and have been involved in various different high levels of sports and just hearing her talk so openly about that and the struggles mm-hmm. that she had the that's setting an amazing example for, for people that can feel that they can come and talk to somebody within their club or anything like that about some of the issues that they had because she is a shining example of what can be accomplished after the game is done and she's gone on and she's refereed uh, junior football finals All-Ireland finals as well so just a tremendous ambassador for the sport in general I, uh, Pamela Hayden is a, is a fantastic person as well as a, a fantastic uh, you know, role model for the players. She's she's heavily involved in in you know, lot where I'm involved myself, and she's uh, you know, she does set an example there. She's very good referee. She's very good coach, and uh, yeah, no people speaking about those things. You know, uh, obviously from uh, from uh, a, a male side of things in in, in a club, it's it, you know, it's 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 good to see that there's uh, that there's ladies there to talk about those things and 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 to make other. Other other female players aware of these things and that they can come and speak to someone about it. And uh, no, Pamela Hayden is a not no, she's an exceptional person. Yeah. So the games uh, tonight. You had games on Saturday. You had games on Friday. What's the lay of the land now looking like for next weekend? Yeah, next weekend. Sure. I mean, we, we well, it'll be it'll be two weeks, but we have uh, like so in two weeks' time. Then so we'll have Fenner playing O'Loughlin in round three of the senior championship. I should say the Tell Labs uh, senior championship. <laughs> I'd like to th- thank uh, thank John McGrath and, and and his team in Tell Labs in in Tullo for their uh, partnership on the, on all our adult championships. So in in. Uh, for the weekend of the 4th of September, we have Fenna and O'Loughlin in the senior. Bennett Carrington Ryland play St. Anne's. And in the Intermediate Championship, Air Oak will play Rath Philly. And Mount Leinster Rangers will be at home to St. Bridget's. 
Uh, the junior championship, because there's a, a, a couple of extra teams in that, so the, junior, the round three of the junior championship will see Calavon Clonigal play the Fighting Cox. So the Fighting Cox are just in the uh, in the adult championship for the first time this year, so it, it, it will take them a couple of years, but it's brilliant to have another adult team in the in the junior championship, and they will they will build and they will grow, and it's it's great to see them coming along as a as an adult team, and their their underage setup is is, is flying at the moment as well. Uh, the uh, the second one in that is Ben Carrington Ryland we play a Ballon in the junior championship then so that's uh, yeah it's it's all go at the moment our under twelve championship then is coming it's coming up to uh, final stage as well on the thirtieth of August and uh, and then our fourteens and sixteens will follow on after that but it's yeah no it's it's all uh, flat to the mat as they say at the moment trying to get all these games and finals played and. Uh, you know, people are getting very excited because I suppose there are a couple of back games to be played, games which had had been missed during the year. So uh, we 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 had decided earlier in the year that we're going to have all our all our uh, semi-finals and finals, you know, after the August period, if possible, and have the uh, so if kids have played all the way along that they're not missing their semi-finals, they're not missing their finals. So most of these finals are all of the finals are when kids are back in school. So it gives them all a gives them all a good chance to go out and represent their clubs. Brilliant, Donald. Thanks very much for giving us a rundown on everything that's happening within Carlo LGFA, especially as well. You kind of got the call out of the blue as well and you knew your stuff. So thanks very much for taking the call. We'll be in touch throughout the year as well over the next few weeks. That's great, Shane. Thanks to you. Thanks all the sports line. Donald Nolan there. On to Cora Delaney, Games Promotion Officer with Kilkenny GAA. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Cora Delaney. Uh, we spoke to Cora before on the show. It's always great getting to have a chat with her, but she's going to be reflecting on a bit of a hectic period across the summer as kids from across the county harnessed their GAA skills with the Kilkenny GAA GPO. Lots of uh, letters there or numbers. No, letters. Uh, Cora Delaney, Cora, thanks very much for taking the time and having a chat with us. No problem. Thanks, Shane, for having me on again. <laughs> How are you getting on since we last spoke to you? Uh, not too bad. Um, good. In with the role now at the minute. Um, so it's not too bad at the minute. I'm really enjoying it, so I am. Yeah, the, the camps in itself, we've seen them all throughout Kilkenny and all throughout Carlow also, but you know, dealing specifically with Kilkenny, how important have the camps been to get young kids involved in the GAA? Um, this year I found really important like normal years I would have been out coaching in, in the camps and trying to improve the skills of the children and stuff like that where I got to step back this year and actually look at who actually was coming to camp say that I would have been in schools with definitely in Comer and say in Erlingford as well and I got to see more of the children coming on board and new faces that maybe weren't used to it or didn't maybe know about it maybe they didn't have um, an idea of maybe when it was going on and just because I like maybe was in the school with them and they were after getting a few prompts from me about like camp was going on and when it was going on they were able to go home and tell parents mommy and daddies about like oh can I do the camp course after being in the school and she's going to be actually running it or being over it kind of and they were kind of felt a little bit more comfortable kind of come out because actually knew maybe someone that was in it yeah and um, so I found that was a, a good help and I found like more children came to it and I got to learn more children's names as well even with the camps over the summer and um, so, definitely so uh, like a personal bond you're creating with them yeah, like, so, like, this morning, like, I'm down in Tullerone with 
the young lads and at the minute they're, they're, my two GPO clubs are actually playing each other like and it's just so nice that I took a photo of the two teams together with each other just have it that I can put up on Twitter or Facebook and stuff like that and it was just so nice that I'm here on the sideline and I was like I'll stay neutral to both of them I'm not going to say mention <laughs> any names or nothing but I'm actually not doing that I'm actually shouting at one and then I'm shouting at the other and you know like and I'm using their names I'm not saying oh here you or you know that I can actually have a more personal connection with them like and the coaches they like, can see that that I'm with as well are actually you know let her shout at them that they know her voice more and we're after being shouting at them all day so they're kind of stepping back a little bit but they're doing the same work there as well so it is nice seeing it that I can personalise personalise it with them a little bit too And and the numbers are are obviously there then because we spoke with Liam Griffin uh, former Wexford manager last man to lead Wexford to all Ireland glory back in 1996 and we spoke to him a few months ago and he cited a study done by the Irish Sports Council together with the Sheffield Hallam University saying that hurling has dropped out of the top 10 sports in Ireland being played which is you know fascinating to think of obviously there's other factors with different counties champion football or anything like that but in Kilkenny have you noticed a, a drop off even or has there been a rise in people coming in? I have since I started up my, my role kind of and definitely I've seen more more children kind of coming on board even I know it might be only one or two but like even talking to Erin's own there some of some of the lads were asking me would I get one or two maybe for the like under 13 team and like they said, the one or two has made such a difference to them. Like just small numbers like that. But I, I've seen like more children, like I'm down in Tullerone here this morning since 10 o'clock. We're still going and they've had, I don't know how many teams that I could see listed off there. And it's the under 11 teams. Like Brilliant. The, amount of, the amount of under 11 teams here this morning and the way Tullerone has ran it, it's unbelievable. It's really good. Like, and each child got to play four to five games like each. So it's very good. Like I don't think the numbers are going down. I think they're increasing and getting better. But that's due to the fact of coaches enticing them, encouraging them to come and play and different things as well. Like and always getting into the schools and promoting it and actually trying to get them to the clubs, I think is a big factor in that as well. Like and you mentioned in coaches there, I know, and you mentioned others, GPOs, and uh, I know there are other GPOs that you work with. Do you have to work together as a team much? Um, no. If we want to, we can. It's kind of up to your discretion if you want to, kind of. So if, like, say I'm stuck and I might know, might know something, um, I can go to Nathan and ask him, like, would you be able to help me out with this? Or even Faye might be able to help me out with something else that I might be stuck on. And boys can come to me as well. Um, but then we I had induction days as well that I spoke to Robbie about. And, like, even lads up in, say, Mead and stuff, like, would, like, text me and be asking me stuff, like, how did you maybe make that video that they mightn't have been able to do um, and stuff like that. Even there's a girl over in Offaly and we do be texting now and then asking each other how are we getting on and stuff. And I was just saying it to uh, one of the women out of in the Emeralds here. I was just saying it would be good because Erin's own and the Emeralds kind of are kind of match piece. They're, one doesn't overrule the other or vice versa. They're kind of match kind of made. So I was saying maybe if we have like a blitz day or something, with the two clubs and it'd be nice to have them but like no definitely we like us GPOs have your own discretion if you want to work together you can um, 
but you can bounce off each other and stuff like that. So yeah, no, definitely. If we want to work together, that is the option. Like it's it's kind of up to yourself to do it, kind of. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. In, in terms of the training then uh, with the kids, and yeah. there has been a recent kind of, no, I wouldn't say even that recent, within the last decade, maybe a call for change from the youth level being so competitive and yeah. just kind of focusing on fun. So do you have to approach training older kids a lot differently when it does start to become a bit more competitive than what you would do for the younger children? Yeah, so basically before I took up this role, I would have been with like the under-17 team and under um, under 15 team with my own club and stuff. And like, yeah, I would have to have a more um, stern and talking way with them, say, than if I'm in school with the children, like I'd be messing around and having fun with them. And even with the under 11s here this morning, I was like, it's not about winning like the two teams that I'm with, like didn't win all their games. Like, you know, and I was like, it's not all about winning. It's about competing or, you know, taking part in the games. I was like, the more games you get, the better you'll get like. Um, but definitely, yeah, no, it depends on what ages you're with. So like when I'm in the school, I just have fun with them and try develop their skills as well. Like I don't be having them run around playing matches 15 on 15 like I could play zone games that like mm. just throwing a ball around or we could play rounders or we could play all around the world all the children know about all these games like but like no definitely but at the same time with that under 15 and under 17 team that I had at home I would have fun with them as well like I think there was one training session I just said we'll just have fun I think it was a warm evening or something and we just played rounders for the evening like brilliant just, something different like but you can you can have both like um but definitely I would say have both there's no point to having it stern the whole time because you will lose the players if you're going to stick that way the whole time if you kind of get me and does your kind of management and coaching does that extend to parents as well we've seen Carlo GA roll out the be sound or be silent which is an initiative mm. to promote having sound supporters at games and we know parents get very invested in what their children are doing out on the pitch sometimes it can be uh, at the detriment of a referee or anything like that do you ever have any mm. discussions with parents particularly at a, a younger age level no um, with the two clubs I'm actually with they're Per, like they're fairly good of encouraging and you know they'd never give out to a child for not doing something right it's give you an example sorry now to use his name but Derek Ling was here this morning oh, he's involved with the Emirates he's little, one of his young lads is actually on the team and he just says we can all make mis- mistakes he said but we'll learn from our mistakes and that was after the first game like he said making mistakes he said we learn from the mistakes so that was his encouragement like you know, that's how he sees it. And, like, I I just see with the, our coaches there, even the Emirates and the, Aaron's own coaches were on sideline and the parents, and not one of them were giving out to the children. They were all encouraging them, try better, get back. You know, they were all really helping out the, the children who weren't giving out to them, like. Derek Ling wasn't giving anything away in terms of uh, telling you to no. start focusing on sharp puck outs or anything like that. No. No, definitely not. He wouldn't do that with the underage. He <laughs> the way they want to play and that's the way he likes to see it here. So he does. He never, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give any of that information away at all anyway. Uh, for yourself, Cora, then, when you're training the children, to, do you try and have as many ball-orientated drills and games as possible or so that they can kind of harness the basic skills of the sport? Yeah, I suppose it depends on the age. Like, so um, 
say if I'm in with junior, senior infant, I kind of start off with a bit of fun game. So tag tail, so they have a baby in the back of them to have to take out the tail and everyone gets to be involved, so on and so forth. Um, then I might go into a bit of an obstacle. So I have six obstacles spread out and they have to go, they're in different lines and they get to do different obstacles kind of. Um, and the hurl does be brought in with that and the football does be brought in with that as well. Um, and then when they get older then I might go into a bit of more hurling with them if they want. I kind of leave it up to the players. If, if they're enjoying the game, I'm not going to change the game. It's when they turn around and say, can we go on to something else? That's when I say, right, we'll go on to the next thing. Do you know that kind of way? But I do have a programme set out when I'm going out. I have a, I have a list of what I want to do. I have a plan set out of what I'm going to do in schools every day and I try to stick to it. But if there is a game that the children love playing, um, I know that tag tail game now, they would have been like, can we go back and play that? I have no problem going back and playing it. If they like that game, that's what I'm there for, that they're enjoying it and they want to come out and see me again. It's not, oh, I don't want to see Cora come until us the next week and so forth and so on. So if they enjoy a game, I try to keep it up, no matter if there is a ball involved or there's no ball involved. It's all about having fun and enjoying themselves with me and, once they're enjoying themselves and having fun, I'm happy with that. And that's really all that I'm into it for. Brilliant. And with the call camps now coming to an end, what is up next for yourself, Cora? Um, we'll be going back into the school, so we will, and getting involved with them. So um, back into coaching the children in school, trying to get more kind of the new juniors and senior infants that are kind of coming into the schools, trying to get them now into the club if possible. Um, that would be ne- our next focus. And then kind of just getting little blitzes. I know the games are coming to an end for the underage kind of, so if we can get little blitzes and stuff like that done for them. So I'm, I'd say the cool camps were done with us in Kilkenny since the, since July. So then I went, went on a breakdown for two weeks because I was with them for the month of July. And last week I had the Erin's own club camp that went very well. And next week, say the week coming, we have the Emeralds camp. And once I have that done, then we are going back into the schools and trying to promote GA back in the schools again and trying to get more children out to the clubs, hopefully. No holidays planned or anything, just all GA. No. I love it. Well, holidays was done and dusted two weeks ago, but back into <laughs> it again. I don't mind it, so I don't. I actually love it. So, you know, that's one of my things, getting into GA. We went on holidays, but we're watching the Kilkenny girls out there winning dollars. So. <laughs> That's where my thoughts were when I was on holidays watching the girls play. Like, so it was nice to see them winning as well. Well, Cora, uh, massive congratulations for all the work that you're doing. Um, you know, having so much GEA happening within the county is a testament to the work that the GPOs are putting in as well. So, thanks very much for taking the call and enjoy the rest of the evening out in Tullerone. No problem. Can I give a shout out to the 211 teams, Darren Bowen under 11th and the Emeralds under 11th or they'll kill me for the middle. <laughs> Stay <laughs> neutral, Yar. I know, I know. I'm telling the two of them that I'll do it so I have to give them a big shout out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know. So big shout out to the under, two under 11th, uh, the Emeralds under 11th and the under 11 Aaron's own team is that alright Jim? that sounds absolutely Perfect. brilliant Cora thanks very much for taking the call thanks very much thanks very much thank you Cora Delaney Games Promotions Officer with Kilkenny GAA we're going to take a quick ad break there don't go anywhere on Scoreline Lots of soccer talk coming your way. Manchester United versus Liverpool. First up with Carlos, Manchester United supporters club member Willie Carroll. 
not been off to the best start in the Premier League and I'm delighted now to be joined on the line by an ardent Manchester United supporter from the Manchester United Supporters Club in Carlo. Mr Willie Carroll joins me on the line. Willie, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, how are you? I'm good. It could be better times as a Manchester United fan. We've experienced them better times, but hasn't really been the start that we anticipated or wanted. Uh, it was the same as Liverpool though, really. They were expecting a better start too, weren't they? They certainly would have been, yeah, two draws. Um, I, I, was speak, I was speaking to someone there earlier on, uh, Eddie Scally. He says, sure, if United managed to beat Liverpool, they'd be one point ahead of him. And would it be Liverpool in a crisis? Uh, Don Neal will be in a crisis. I think they'll kick off eventually. Um, United, are, I think a lot of the stuff with United is behind the scenes anyway, myself. Um, with the Glazers, you know, there's a big protest planned for Monday night as well over there. We've um, seen so Monday, Monday night could be interesting. We've seen uh, this protest been talked about and banded about, but there was also talk of it last season as well, and it that didn't really seem to go down too well, or didn't really seem to have an effect. Do you, what do you think will make Monday night different? Well, Monday night, I think, could be the same. I'd say there could be five or six thousand people because a lot of people that have been going to that game are going to be travelling. They're not going to travel and not go into the game. United have already asked for people to go into the game early. Because, um, yeah, because the last time they played Liverpool, it wasn't it, uh, it. There was a delay in everything before the game due to fans protesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but this, now to me, I'm surprised that it's a Monday night because for years they said that they wouldn't have games on Monday night. The police used to stop it because it's a full build-up for a full day. Yeah, and there'll be lads out drinking, whatever. A lot of lads won't work, going to work, so. That's another aspect of it coming into play there as well. Yeah, so that's in, interesting. Know, like inside and outside, because inside is going to be a six. It's going to be unusual. It's a six-pointer game. There's been many six-pointer games between United and Liverpool, but never at the bottom of the table. Yeah. <laughs> it's always at the top of the table. You know? I went to an FA Cup game of Manchester United versus Arsenal that was moved from a Saturday to a Monday due to the fact that they, uh, they assumed people would be working on the Monday yeah. and travelling up. So I know what you're saying by the full day, but I think that was the reason given back then. It may be something similar. They're hoping that people won't have the full Saturday and have a day off the next day and they'll be able to kind of control it a bit better. But it's United-Liverpool, that. Yeah. <laughs> like that, like Man United-Man City is a derby. Liverpool, Everton is derby, but the biggest derby in England is Man United, Liverpool. Has been for years. What you do know? you make of the Manchester United possible new signing? I think it's uh, all but confirmed in Casemiro. I think he'll be a good sign. I think, like, I think if they give this manager, if they back him and they give him what he needs, I think he will be a good manager in time. He's got to be like Klopp. Klopp, like, if you look to look at the Liverpool team or squad now, there's only three of the regional players there when he came yeah so I think it's a rebuilding process because it's been going down and down and down um, like to me the, I'm not a big Glazier fan any but like to me they've been buying some of the players to sell jerseys to make money like they, they've took out over 1.4 billion out of the club yeah Man City have put in over a billion into the club that's the difference and as well as that they took dividends this year even though Man United didn't make money yeah I think it was 11 million or something that's what I mean. Like it's to them, it's just a, to me. To them, it's only a money maker, money spinner to keep their heads above water with everything else they have. 
they, they, it, it, what rings true is that type of deal to, that they had to purchase Manchester United wouldn't actually happen in today's day and age. It wouldn't be allowed to. to no, it wouldn't be allowed now. But it, it happened then because things weren't regu- regulated enough. But like it, it's like everything. It will be back. You know, you know, like the team to be in England at the minute is Man City. No shadow of a doubt. It doesn't matter what team. Everyone is chasing them. It doesn't matter if Liverpool, Everton, or any of them. Like it's all. They're all chasing them. Like Arsenal even have picked up, I think this year, they're better than they were last year as well as some of their signings. Um, but like this year, is, I think, I still think City will probably win the league. I hate to say it. But um, but they can't, Liverpool can't keep dropping points where they are and United surely can't keep playing where they are. Like United could turn up, if United turn up Monday night, they could beat them because Liverpool aren't playing that well. Yeah, no Darwin Nunes either after his red card. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but apart from him, I wouldn't put all them because like their two wings back, their two wing backs have been adamant last year, bringing the ball up, crossing it, and all that. This year they haven't been as prevalent, if you know what I mean. Yeah, turned to Alexander Arnold and yeah. Robertson, Andy Robertson. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say to you is these potential buyout talks that we're hearing, Sir Jim Radcliffe, who was a Manchester United supporter, he's regarded as Britain's uh, richest man. He's apparently been inquiring as to purchasing Manchester United, and it sounds like that'll be welcomed by all fans. Oh, big time, yeah. But like, the problem is if he's only minority, if he's yeah. only selling minority, I don't think he, I don't think he buys. I think if he can see that he wants this control of it, um, like he's not going to put money into it and let the Glazers take money up. But still, I don't think it. And Willie, for someone who may travel over there quite a bit, we hear a lot about the Glazers and their lack of investment into the club, and mm. particularly when it comes to Old Trafford and how it's fallen behind some of the new stadiums uh, that's yeah, going no, up. Yeah, no, Old Trafford itself is falling apart. Uh, what exactly is is wrong with the infrastructure of the of the stadium? Like it's it's just it's general wear and tear, maintenance. Um, like there's a leak in one that art stand there for the last two years. Yeah. People who be in the north stand still get drowned. They haven't fixed the roof. You know, it's a lot of small, simple things, but over time they're going to get big things. And they've been promising this for a while, but it's not not actually happening. But while money has still been put in, this is where fans kind of of other clubs don't understand. Money has been made available to managers, whether the manager was fully backed, like Mourinho wasn't backed in the summer before he mm. departed, whatever you can say, whatever. But the money has kind of been there there's been over a billion spent on players so some fans don't understand why this anti-glazer propaganda or anything like that is, is there could you give a better understanding as to why people just don't want them there it, it can't just all be due to the stadium no it's not due to the stadium it's not, the stadium is the small part of it with the glazers what they've done like they have bought players that the managers didn't even want that they went outside the manager's box to buy it. Like, the manager hasn't got full control. There hasn't been a manager in full control of, of a Man United team, I don't think, since Ferguson. Um, like, I think the likes of Pogba, and even like, like Ronaldo, it's great to see him back, but a lot of that was to sell jerseys, make money, I think. And what do you make of the whole Ronaldo kerfuffle now that he wants to leave? I saw a lot of but people... Would you blame know. him? I, what I'm thinking about Ronaldo is he's a winner. He wants to win. He's put he puts 110 percent into every game. He does his best. If he sees lads not doing their best, because he was brought up in the old United 
team with the likes of Ray Keane, Paul Scholes, that put their heart and soul into the game. If he sees lads not training the team, that's why he gets pissed off over, I think. Then do you think he's going to go? I don't know. That's the uh, honesty. I don't honestly know because I know he'll, he'll like Um he What he did say the other day is, with all the media and all that, he told the media the other day, the truth will come out in a few weeks, whatever that meant. It'll be interesting to hear. On Monday then, who do you have? Liverpool or Manchester United? What way are you going? Well, of course I want United to win. <laughs> but can you envision it? Can you actually see it happening? If United turn up and Liverpool are playing the way they're playing, it could happen. If anyone wins, it's only going to be by a goal or two anyway, if it does. I actually think it could be a draw, believe it or not. Right. And uh, Willie, the supporters club in itself, can people get involved from Carlow or what, what does it entail to be a member of the supporters club? Oh, it's easy to be members. All you do is join the One United membership in Old Trafford and get in contact with me and I just link them to the branch. That's all. And what it's kind easy. what kind of perks do you get? Do you, be, do you get a chance of getting tickets or, or oh, yeah, to no, head to I've, games? I've, I've, I've a certain allocation of tickets for every game. Like my, but I have a certain deadline to have them in. Like I'm at Forest now, believe it or not, in December. Like um, unless it's the A games, they're a bit difficult. Which would be like Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, City, Chelsea. Chelsea, and Chelsea. Yeah, they'd be. Other than that, I've t- I have no problem getting tickets for any other game at all, no matter how many it is. Well, sounds interesting, Willie. Thanks very much for taking the time to have a chat with us today. No problem at all, young fella. Thank you. That is Willie Carroll, who is the member or leader, I would imagine, of the Manchester United Supporters Club in Carlow. Now tomorrow. Just for a bit of equality, we'll be talking to Bagnallstown Gales Liverpool Supporters Club treasurer, Mert O'Mara, in regards to the big fixture that everybody in the football world will have their eyes on, no doubt. In the Premier League, there seems to be no change in the scores. I'm just updating it here. Ah, Leicester. Leicester managed to get one goal ahead of Southampton. James Madison, who has been thought to be leaving leaving Leicester to go to Newcastle and Brendan Rodgers came out and said that ain't no happening but uh, yeah 1-0 now to Leicester Adam John McLean joins us now talking Treaty United scoreline Shane here for the next hour and we do have a few more results coming in from the Pat Marshall just one as the Kilkenny and District League kicked off in style today Armand Villa besting Lions 2-1 in the half two kickoff that's the final result what I have from the Freebooters and Evergreen game was Freebooters coming away with the win at 1-0 in that clash between the two old rivals. I'll just confirm that. Nothing yet from the East End versus Tullerone game. Uh, we know Dean Celtic in Highview and St. Canis's in Castle Warren. It was a three-goal to nil win given to St. Canis's and Dean Celtic in that game. I know on the Castle Warren front that there was a walkover in itself, so I... Can't confirm if it was Highview. Nothing from Stonyford United and St. John's as of yet. But River Rangers did beat New Park 4-2 and Fort Rangers beat Callan United 5-0. The Carlo and District League kicks off on Friday night in the form of the KCLR Shield. We heard from Brian O'Reilly there earlier on and he's made a call out for Carlo and Kilkenny ladies teams to express an interest in competing in this year's 
campaign. Now, I'm delighted to be able to continue the soccer talk with a man I know very well, Mr. John McLean, who has been appointed as the head of the academy down at Treaty United, and it's just an amazing being able to get to see it after all the hard work that John's been doing over the number of years with Waterford, with DLR Waves, and of course, a mainstay within the Kilkenyan District League. John, thanks very much for taking the call, sir. Thanks very much, Shane. Appreciate it. John, you must be absolutely delighted. You know, the newest team within the Division 3 to United and uh, they're bringing you down to be the new academy director. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a great honour, like, because like, soccer in Limerick is massive. You know, it's absolutely huge and has been for a, a long, long time. They've been a stronghold of, of with junior football for years with the likes of Fairview and Pike and Regional and all these, these teams. But uh, as you say, yeah, Treaty United are, are in the League of Ireland, only established there in, in 2020. Um, and a guy that a lot of people in Kilkenny would know very well, Shane Keegan, was my predecessor until he took the, yeah. the Cove job. So well, I'd spoken to Shane a bit about it. And when the job came up, um, I, I applied for it. And thankfully, after speaking to the board at Treaty, they've... Uh, They've given me the role. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing news. And being the new academy director, you mentioned that football down in Limerick is a stronghold, but you're competing with GAA, like nearly every county, but also rugby down there as well. How do you envision that kind of working out? Well, it, it's not only that, Shane. It's not only the other sports. Like as like people probably know, like Limerick is another. Uh, very much a, the stronghold of, of, of Munster Rugby. I know the people in Kerry and, and, and Cork would argue against that, but like you know, all you have to do is drive around Limerick and you see Tolman Park and how impressive it is. And obviously Limerick are three in a row All-Ireland Tourland champions. So yeah, you're up against um, two big other sports, but also there's a, there's a, a National League underage team um, in the county as well in Limerick FC and as I said then you, you have very very big junior clubs so you know like you're, you're competing against against that as well you know and uh, the role of the academy director then kind of differs from your role when you were with Waterford's under 19 squad because you were the manager down there what way is this a bit different then well it's different from the point of view I will probably spend less if kind of known uh, no time whatsoever kind of on on the training pitch or, or should I say very limited time on the training pitch um, it's more about uh, the recruitment of, of players recruitment of staff keeping the academy running um, you know like it, it's that end of it it's, it's making sure that um, the vision of the club and uh, the philosophy of the club itself is kept going, you know, and then show that there's a pathway for players to get to senior men's and the senior women's team, and basically that's that's my job to keep that keep that that conveyor belt going. And you were someone that would have loved to be now kind of coming up with different training sessions, been out and helping the youth, being able to exceed in 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 their not only playing career but in their personal lives as well. Are you going to miss that side of the game, John? Um. I don't know as of yet, Shane, because I'm only in. But it, look, it, it, I could get a situation where I'll, I'll 
I could get itchy feet and I'll, I'll want to get out on the pitch with the lads and, and do a session and that. But um, at the moment, what's going on down down with the club is, is keeping me busy. So I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not missing it as of yet because I'm not getting much time. Um, but yeah, I would have been very much kind of hands-on and, and things like that and being out on the pitch. And I love putting the boots on and being out with the, with the lads out on the pitch. But look, it, it's, it's something where it, it's kind of a next step. It's an offer that, that came to me. And being honest and truthful, Shane, I couldn't turn it down. Um, because, as I say, it, apart from maybe getting the head coach's role at a, at a fourth division or a premier division, so it, 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 it's the next thing, you know. Yeah, sure. Look, uh, who only started their managerial career down in Limerick, but only Sam Allardyce as well. So <laughs> you could be following yeah. in his footsteps. Oh well, uh, the, the hopefully uh, if you if you did follow in his footsteps, uh, it, it'd be what he done in the early part of his managerial <laughs> career, and, and not the latter part. But uh, yeah, you know, like there's been some some uh, great people and big people involved in in football down in Limerick and. Like it's a massive, massive city, you know, and a massive catchment area. We're taking in Tipperary, taking in Clare, you know, all, all the kind of all that area, touching parts of Offaly as well. So, you know, it's 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 a massive, massive catchment area, and it's it's something that needs to be tapped into. Yeah, certainly, 100%. I know a lot of people lament the fact that there's uh, a lot of Dublin clubs within the League of Ireland, um, but it's, so it's great to see someone new coming in. Uh, they're currently sitting fifth in uh, Division 1, but you've just after beating the tabletoppers, Cork City, 2-0 on the senior side of things. So there must be, uh, like, I, I can see fans, I've talked to fans of Treaty United when it first came into it, because we're obviously lamenting the fact that we don't have a, a Kilkenny or a Carlow side on, on this side of, of, of Ireland. But, you know, are the fans really getting a Investing and getting behind it. Oh, they are, yeah. As I said, like the the, the fan base and, and and football itself in in Limerick is massive, um, and it helps too. Like the, the fourth division is played on a Friday night, so it doesn't really clash, you know, with the with, with the junior kind of side of it. So um, all you need to do is is, is see Marcus Field on on the television or that when. When three D are playing at home and and you hear the crowd in in the stand behind the the goal uh, and you know like that's that's what you want like football we seen it during the pandemic when football was on and there was no fans in and it just wasn't the same and uh, it's great to have the fans back in and when when they're up and they make noise and there as I say the other week there down to Cork and. They played the Munster Derby against Cork and, and they beat them 2-0. You know, the buzz is, is around the city. I think last Friday night was a bit of a shock result losing the way to Athlone. But look, Tommy will have the lads back in this week and I'm sure they'll bounce back. And John, then where does this leave you in, in terms of your involvement with any other teams within Kilkenny or anything like that? We know that you, you got control of the Oscar Trainer team and you were loving that and it was buzzing for that and then unfortunately COVID came. Does that... Does the new role with Treaty kind of rule out any Oscar trainer involvement or any involvement with any local teams? Um, no, it doesn't really because I've I, I've kind of um, I've set out a, a, a kind of a plan regarding Treaty regarding my time when I need to be down in Limerick uh, at the weekends then for games or where games are 
so like as, as you know, like the, the national league is is spread around the country. So like I could be at a game, Treaty could be involved in a game actually up here in Kilkenny or in Waterford or in Wexford or things like that. So um, it's just about managing the time and. Uh, no, it doesn't rule out kind of giving a dig out uh, with with another club, and and it's just about um, getting the schedule right and, and just managing the time basically. And is there any kind of talk of of, of players being brought down from say the Kilkenny and Carlow area down to Limerick? Because you would be fairly accustomed with some of the best youths that we would have to offer. Would that be something that you may be on the lookout for? Oh, look, you're always on the lookout for good players and that, but you also have to look at the situation too, Shane. Like, logistically, it's probably maybe a little bit far for some people. Like, it would be, it's an hour and 25 minutes from door to door to get from here to, to UL where, where we train. But um, look, on the other side of it, I've seen people do it. I, I like, there's, there's, there's people travelling up to Dublin, up to Shamrock Rovers and Bowes and UCD and Pats and all. So, look, you never write anything off. You never know what, what people will do to to have their kids um, playing and that. And sure, look, if someone comes and they want to do it, look, we'll take we'll take players in with, with, with open arms. But uh, look, that's, that's up to the individuals themselves. I, w- I wouldn't be going pushing it on people, but... Look, if people make the approach and want it to come down, we'd certainly have a look at it. All right, so you're going to have a look at me then, John, or has the ball passed for me? (laughs) I tell you, I think that that, that ship has sailed already. That ship never even got to to set sail at all, John. (laughs) I think that that ship is still out to sea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, John, are you starting in the role now? Is it like kind of you're hitting the ground running? Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, since... um, Basically, I, I accepted the job last well, last weekend, and um, I've been in kind of working uh, in around the, the the club. And I was down there during the week and met met the coaches. And I was down yesterday at the get a couple of the games. So yeah, I'm I'm in, and um, we're we're organising now at the moment. Our big thing now was getting in um, the 2009. Uh, squad for next year, so for so we're getting them guys in, uh, organising the training block for them to come in, and because we don't want to have a situation where we're going around looking for under fourteen players in January to start the league, the end of February. So we need to get our our ducks in a row, and we need to get our plans in place. So that's that's a big thing, and also probably a, a, another uh, big thing to to get underway down in, in treaty is to get the women's under 19 team back up and running and close the gap between the senior team and the 17s girls. 17s girls are a very, very good side, um, but we need to close the gap between the 17 girls and the senior side. So um, we need to get coaches and players in now for the under 19 uh, girls team uh, going forward next year as well. Brilliant. Well, John, thanks very much. We'll be following along that journey and it's great to see someone who's who only living down the road from me uh, doing oh, so no. well. And which are, <laughs> Do you have more coaching now to do? I know you have the UFA licences. What's the next thing? I'm, I'm currently, I'm, I'm just about, I'm, I'm about a month or so away from uh, finishing my UFA youth elite. So that, that licence 
um, is basically about basically the role that I'm in now with Edelman Academy. Once you once you get that that license, um, you can take a job as as a head of academy kind of anywhere basically. And after that, it's pro license. But I think uh, I think I leave that one off, Shane. Uh, we'll be following it along. Thanks very much for taking the call, John. And best of luck in the new role. No problem, Shane. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. John McLean, who is now the head of youth academy down at Treaty United. An absolute gentleman to boot as well. We spoke to him a lot when he was in charge of the Oscar trainer team. Always very forthcoming with his time and we'll be no doubt keeping a keen eye on everything that is happening down at Treaty United. We'll have a look at another result coming in from the Pat Myers Shield. Tolerone coming away with a 3-2 win over East End. I'm still waiting on confirmation from the Evergreen and Freebooters game. I believe it went in free Freebooters favour, but St. John's coming away with a 2-1 win over Stonyford United, so congratulations to John Conroy. A few more of the games that'll be selected now for next week means Fort Rangers will be taking on Bridge United. It seems that Tullerone, who came away with that 3-2 victory, will go up against Spa United, while River Rangers will play Freshford Town and Thomastown will take on Freebooters or Evergreen. I believe it is Freebooters just waiting on 100% confirmation before I can confirm any more. Looking forward to seeing what John does for the rest of the season. Now joining us was Brian O'Reilly, the secretary of the Carlone District League, ahead of the whole season kicking off on Friday with the KCLR Shield. Brian O'Reilly, Brian, how are you doing, sir? Good afternoon, Shane. How are you, bud? I'm very good. I'm very good. The sun is shining, but I'm inside, but I can still enjoy all the different sports that are occurring across Kilkenny and Carlow and beyond. But the Carlow District League doesn't start until Friday night, the 26th, in the form of the KCLR Shields. You must be excited. Yes, um, we really are. It's going to be it's going to be a really good season, we hope. This field competition last year was really, really successful. So it was, and we're hoping it will take off again this year. And last season, did you find the style of the tournament to work in your favour? Because it was a Champions League style where you had the group stages going into a knockout stages. Yeah, and uh, I suppose the reason we had gone with that was because clubs wanted to come back earlier in the year with, uh, with COVID last year and we wanted to try something new different. So we're hoping this year, we've had one or two clubs not entered um, this year. Um, it was optional to enter. So we only ended up with 18 of our clubs instead of our 20. So instead of going with four groups, we've gone with three groups. But the draw was made. We've got three very competitive groups. Um, and we're hoping that it will progress as well as it did um, last year. And the style this year then will be that the top team in each of the three groups will automatically qualify for the quarterfinal along with the three runners-up and then the two best third places. And the quarterfinal will be seeded with the three winners of the groups and the best second place team on one side and then the other four teams on the other side for the quarterfinals. And that should take us up till the end of September before we start our league campaigns. And obviously we've got the FEI Junior Cup and the LFA Cup in between. So clubs actually were very happy with this because it gave them an opportunity to get some competitive games under their belt before the outside competitions. And we know how well uh, New Oak did in the outside competitions. And one of the reasons was that they said that because they had got competitive games so early in the season. 
Yeah, we were talking to Conor Byrne uh, last season as they were on their way to like five trophies. I know they won the domestic quadruple, if you will, and they had a, a, an amazing season by all accounts. But speaking to new player Conor Byrne, he really said that the Shield kind of set him up for success going throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and they won it. They won it on New Year's Day. We played the final on New Year's Day, and, and, and the feedback was that having those five competitive games so early in the season, August and September, set them up. Because traditionally in Carlow, we would have started at the, the last weekend of August, first weekend of September. But what you find now is the first round of the FAI Cup is the 13th of September, and yeah. the first round of the LSA Cup is the 20th of September. So clubs generally maybe had one game under their belt before it was thrown in the deep end of the two the two outside competitions. Whereas this way now, clubs will have played four competitive Shield games before they actually face into the, the FAI and the LFA competitions. And then we'll have a small break for those two weekends and then we'll come back with the last round of the of the of the Shield group games. Um, so yeah, and you walk around a competitive group. They're in with their local rivals Hanover, and they're in with um, Bell Wanderers promoted to the Premier League for the first time. Um, so that's that's three top teams in there, along with Tilly, St Joseph's, who are promoted um, uh, last year, and St Felix, who rejoined the league after a little break for a while. So it looks like the most competitive of of the groups. And going back to New Oak as well and talking about their tremendous success last year and Cretillard are probably the ones that are closer to them. But what can teams do now to kind of really bridge that gap with a team like New Oak? We know Dean Kelly was just in phenomenal form last year. Uh, like, what can they do to be able to put it up to this huge side? Yeah, they've got, to, they've got to try and get more consistent. That was that was the one thing about New Oak. They just never drop points. Like, if you look at Credit Yard, they had dropped a couple of points down in Ballamurphy and places like this. I think with New Oak now, because they're such a young side, they're going to keep that side together for a couple of years. I know they might be missing one or two lads this year who have gone travelling or whatever, but I think the other teams are just going to have to stay very competitive uh, and make sure they don't drop points along the way. And then it's going to come down to the head-to-head games. But certainly New Oak are going to be there, thereabouts again. Um, St. Pat's under new management now are looking to, to to come back strong, so that could be they could be a, a, a contender in there. But again, you can't look past the top two again as challenging each other. And Credit Yard have a new management team in place, so it's very much a transition for a lot of teams. Whereas New York are pretty much the same management team, same squad. So again, they'll have to start as favourites for, for the league title. Yeah, certainly. And it's going to be hard to kind of knock them off the perch, so to speak. And Freebooters found that out. Kilkenny side as well in the, in the Leinster match that they had in. But in terms of the, the shield and going back to it, you're talking about getting a lot of competitive games. I suppose when you associate a cup competition with a local district league, it's generally one and done, as people in the Pat yeah. Marshall can attest to now today. You know, some have been knocked out and, you know, they can look forward to the league. So that was a conscious decision on your behalf then, once again, to get those competitive games in and get those minutes under the lads' legs. Yes, yes. So our sheet traditionally would have been knockout as well. Um, and again, as I said, with, 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 with the season last year and it being such a success that you're now you're guaranteed your five, your five games. Um, and it, it, for a lot of clubs too, it's the half of them organising pre-season friendlies and getting it going. And the fact that the Shield is a club competition was one of the other factors behind it. Because obviously, you know yourself, this time of year, the GEA and Carlos only have to start and they've only started this season. I was going to ask, yeah. 
some, some dual players are obviously tied up for the next few weeks and this gives clubs an opportunity like a lot of our clubs have two teams but they would rely on some of their dual players to fulfil to help them fill, out, fill the two teams whereas the, the Irish KCLR Shield has always been traditionally it's a club competition so anybody in the club from their under 18s the under 19s anybody in the club can play in the Shield and that means that players clubs so what you'll find is that whilst they might be playing Friday, Sunday Friday, Sunday there's a possibility that some of the bigger clubs would have a different 11 play Friday night and a different 11 play Sunday because they'll, they'll have a huge squad to pick from the fact that it's a club competition and it also gives these young lads then a chance to play maybe for, for, for their first team when they wouldn't have got the chance otherwise Oh, well, I'm just only noticing that there now there's no B teams in it so it's a whole club competition no. that's amazing no. Yeah, so the KCLR Shield was always that club competition. From the time it very first started, it was it was a club. So every club can only enter one team, and that's why we're restricted with the number of teams. As I said, last year we had 20 clubs. We do have 20 clubs in the Carlow League, but Roundtower Rovers and Burn Celtic uh, opted not to enter the pre-season Shield tournament. Um, they're heavily involved with other sports or whatever, and they were struggling to get players. So instead of trying to give walkovers and everything, they just made a decision not to enter this year. But our other 18 clubs have entered it. So, so like that, like... As I said, you've got your know, York Yard, you've got your St. Pat's. Like they would traditionally have 45, 50 players registered between A, B, 17s, 18s, 19s. So any of these players can play in the SEAL competition. So that's why it worked so well, because it gave everybody a chance. They weren't trying to field two teams on the same day um, so early in the season. That's not going to happen until the 1st of October, before any club will be asked to field two teams. Um, on the same day so it gives clubs a really good chance to get the season started and get players in and lads that are coming back at different times for various different reasons and the youths the same thing once they get back to school we get back with the youths and they get back in as well um, so it should be good I suppose just slightly off that our only our only thing that we are looking for Shane is that we're looking for ladies teams we have we have um, a big issue with, with ladies and um, we would appeal now to any girls out there who are looking to play soccer to contact your local club on our website we have all our club's details the secretaries whatever else we've only got about four or five teams in the ladies league last year and we're struggling to the same again this year so for some reason COVID has seemed to have once to have that positive impact on the men's game and the numbers have, it's had the opposite effect on the ladies games and it's not just in Carlow it's other leagues are in the same boat so the big thing now is the fact that ladies soccer with the Euros is on such a high at the moment and everything else um we're asking any girls out there who are looking to play soccer to get in touch with your local club. If you have a look on www.carlosoccer.ie under clubs, you'll see all your local clubs. Contact the secretary and say, listen, we're interested in playing. Are you going to put in a, a ladies team? We have a big meeting coming up in the next week or two to see what we're going to do with the ladies soccer. But that's the one side of our, our, our league at the moment that we're trying to develop more and promote a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask as well because... Traditionally, over the past few years, you've accepted Kilkenny teams within the league as well with open arms. You had New Park winning the Scoreline Shield last year. Does that offer still extend to Kilkenny teams okay. also? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and at the moment, we currently have New Park, uh, Dean Celtic, uh, Mill Celtic, Credit Yard and Vale. We have five women's teams at the moment uh, affiliated, um, but we're, look- we're looking for more. Brilliant. Um, with the discussion then back to the GEA and dual players, we know that the first round of the Carlow Football Championship just started this weekend on Friday night and it's going to continue now for the foreseeable. What knock-on effect does that have for the league structure then in the men's game? What Do you have a kind of tentative date that you want to get things going? Well, yeah. Well, I suppose we don't. We do, but it's based around. It's based. Our, our, our league structure is based more around the outside competitions rather than other, than other sports. Right. We've kind of always been of the attitude whereby 
look, you're playing soccer, you're playing soccer. We we, we go. Um, our league structure is based around the outside competition. So with the FAI and the LFA starting so early on the 13th and 20th of September, and obviously if you win them, the second round is on straight away again the next week. So what we kind of decided with the, with, with the new Shield competition was rather than start a league for a week and then clubs having to take possibly a four-week break from playing league matches because... If you play in the first round of the FAI on the 13th of September and win, and then you play in the first round of the LFA on the 20th of September and win, then you're back out on the 27th of September and you're back out on the 3rd of October in the second round. So you always had those successful clubs like your New Oaks, your Cray Yards, your Collections, your Parkfields, who would get through the first couple of rounds. They would have always gone four weeks with no league game there. Possibly if we had started on the 6th of September with our first league game, then they would have had four weeks of no league game. And if you tried to get the other clubs who weren't in the FAI or LFA playing league games, then they went miles ahead. So what we kind of discovered was, rather than doing that, if we if we go with this new Shield competition, then the collective clubs play the outside competitions. So we're looking at, we've penciled in the 10th of October as the day that we will kick off our three league campaigns. Um, and uh, that will be the first time then that some of the clubs will be asked to field two teams on the same day. Something similar happened last year and it didn't cause any issues for anybody. Um, but at that stage, GEA will still be gone. But as I said, we have to we have to soldier on, or we wouldn't get our leagues finished. Brilliant. And uh, I see the over thirty fives are in full swing now. They're in cup competition action this week. There's a, a lot of different uh, th- fa- things that you have to factor into running a league, is there not? Yeah, we're 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 just talking about that actually, Shane. We're kind of we're we're twelve twelve months of the season now in, in the Carlow League. We don't we don't generally get a break. The other thirty fives commences at the end of April when the junior finishes, and then like this now there's a little bit of an overlap. So the two of the over thirty five leagues are over. Uh, Credit Yard won the Division One uh, last weekend. Um, Carlow Rovers got their Division Two trophy on Friday night. Uh, the Auto Image Division Two when they beat uh, Saint Felix. And last night, I was down in Ballamurphy for the Auto Image Dacia Division 3 league decider between Ballamurphy and St. Anne's. Uh, they were the top two. St. Anne's went into the game three points clear. Um, I had the trophy and medals in the car, but they never made the light of day because Ballamurphy won 4-0. So it's now a playoff between the two of them. Uh, they finished joint top. Um, and that playoff will be on Wednesday the 31st. And then, as you say, we've got the three divisional cups to come and collection are still in the LFA over 35 Cup they're into the fourth round next Saturday so the over 35 is right into the real busy end of the season now there's two trophies presented there's one more league trophy to be presented and then there'll be three cup trophies to be presented the end of September so again the fact that the league campaign kind of doesn't start till the first or second week of October again suits the over 35s because a lot of those lads re-register to play junior football um, as well so it's a real busy time for the league at the moment the next couple of weeks now going to be very busy for us well, it all sounds exciting, Brian. Uh, thanks very much for taking the call. Before I let you go, I was chatting to Mark Ross from Carlo Kilkenny FC there last week, and they're obviously looking out for new players and volunteers and new coaches and different things like that. And he was kind of alluding to the fact that Carlo Kilkenny may need to establish a better relationships with clubs in Kilkenny and clubs in Carlo. Can you foresee that happening, or is there a bit of I wouldn't say animosity with the league in Carlo and Kilkenny, but some clubs may be resistant to losing some of their best youngsters? Yeah, I suppose I'd imagine that's that that that's what's happening. The clubs the clubs don't want to lose their best players um, to 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 two League of Ireland teams. Um, I suppose if there's a clear pathway there, maybe it, we, we, people understand. But the fact that it kind of goes 15, 17, 19, and then there's nothing further, maybe people are kind of feeling. So what's what's traditionally happened in the last number of years is a lot of lads have left gone to, to League of Ireland teams say for under 17s or under 19s but then they have to come back to the club because there's nowhere for them to go yeah
It's something that, they, that, that even Mark said that they need to work on. But Brian, thanks very much for taking the call today. As you said, you're going, to, you're going 12 months of the year, so hopefully you're going to get a small bit of a break now today and enjoy that weather. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Brian O'Reilly from the Carlo and District League, as he alluded to, the KCLR Shield will be kicking off this Friday night and then out again on the Sunday. So it's the 26th, everything starts back out again on... Moving off the soccer talk, it's now time for our Greyhound update with the lovely, wonderful and delightful Mr. Joe Sheen. Well, it's the busiest time of year in the Greyhound racing world with the beginning of this year's Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. And last night, we had the Boyle Sports A3 Bitch 5-2-5 final in our local Kilkenny track. And what a cracking final it was. It has brought the cream of the crop, some of the best bitches in the country, to Kilkenny Stadium over the last number of weeks. And Beauty Quickstep was crowned the queen of Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night, taking victory in a clock of 28.80 at a price of 3-1, to winning by a devastating five lengths, a fantastic local victory for Margaret and Birdie Barrett and trainer David Flanagan was second four weeks in a row prior to the final, but put it all to the, together when it mattered most and took home €5,000 for connection so well done to Beauty Quickstep the Barrett family and the Flanagan family winning the Boyle Sports A3 Bitch 525 final what a cracking competition it was over 13,000 euro prize money in total for that one back in second was Efren Chloe for owner trainer Finbar O'Regan and back in third was Black Summer for Sean Lahey and Thomas Norton who was unbeaten in the competition prior to last night and went off 6-4 to favourite finished in third so well done to Beauty Quickstep elsewhere on the card, we had an amazing card last night. We've seen some phenomenal runs, especially in the first two races for the Caesars Takeaway 5-2-5 semi-finals. The first one was won by Kenya Dream, 28.69 o'clock here. On debut, a phenomenal, phenomenal run. Open class time done on debut, which is very, very rare. And Kenya Dream looks to be a very exciting prospect for connections. So well done to Imelda Sinclair and trainer David Flanagan. In that one in the second semi-final, Blackstone Lacey came home on top in a time of 28.58 for owner trainer Patrick Sinnott. Another open class run on debut. Phenomenal, phenomenal runs. And Kilkenny continues to produce the cream of the crop, the best of the pups in the country year in. Year out, wonderful to see that. Elsewhere on the card, the Mark Garrity Plant Hire A4 525 final took place last night with Lemon Binney coming out on top. Of course, the Lemon name synonymous with victories and competition wins in Greyhound Racing over the years, winning in 2890 for owner trainer Con Rather. So well done to connections of that one. What a phenomenal, phenomenal card last night we had. And of course, it was a fundraiser for the Tullerone Community Hall. So really brilliant to see. That very, very well supported. And of course, next week we have the O'Loughlin Gales fundraiser on too. So lots and lots of fundraisers happening in Kilkenny Track. And it's a wonderful way to make money for your club, community or organisation. So reach out to Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium if you're interested in a fundraiser. Tullerone certainly had a very, very successful fundraiser for the community hall last night. Elsewhere on the card, the Delhi and Ellen Norton Memorial Final. Went to post with Nomadic Bolt coming out on top for the 5 Max Syndicate. 28.77 the clock here. Phenomenal run. Back in second was Sawdust. Good job for the Chisel Syndicate and Mert Lahey. And back in third was Budget Talk. 
what an amazing card it was in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night and next week we look forward to the O'Loughlin Gales fundraiser as we said also the Jag Building Services A1 Derby will begin on September the 2nd so very very exciting times in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium indeed last night in Shelburne Park we had the beginning of this year's 2022 Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby and we had a phenomenal local interest in this one of course across the water in this year's English Greyhound Derby we had three locally connected greyhounds in the final so wonderful to see the continuation of the success of the local greyhounds last night in Shelburne Park in the third heat all about Ted Came home victorious for Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin. 2973 the clock here, 92 the price. And all about Ted. I was speaking to his owner, William Rigney, this morning. He is going to go a long, long way in this competition. Of course, Peter Cronin had a finalist in the English Greyhound Derby this year with Kildare. And he will look to bring home the bacon in this year's Irish Greyhound Derby for sure. And has a strong team. In the fifth heat, all about any for the same connections. One at a price of 25 to 1. 25 to 1, 1 by 2 lengths, all about any for Peter Cronin and William Rigney. They're making it a quick double. Fantastic to see Mooncoin trainer Peter Cronin going so well. In the seventh heat, good Cody came out on top here, 29 25 at a price of 4 to 9. For the Kennedy family, their father John comes from Erlingford, and he is a very exciting prospect indeed, this good Cody. Back in third in the same race was Priceless Jet for Paul Hennessy and his team. So well done to them making it through to next week's second round. Really, really exciting stuff in Shelburne Park last night. In the 90s, Emily's Jet finished in third for Mooncoin trainer Peter Tronin and will march on to next week's second round. In the 10th heat, Stories Cash Out finished in third for Gavin O'Mahony and Mert Lahey. A very exciting greyhound, this Stories Cash Out. And he emerges through to next week's second round. So well done to connections there. In the 11th heat, Droopy's nice one came out on top. 29.67 o'clock here for owner John Coleman and trainer Mert Lahey in the winner's enclosure yet again. Winning just by a head to Kildare back in second for Peter Cronin. Of course, a English Greyhound Derby finalist last year. Cracking race this one. The 11th heat on the card in the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby round one last night. So very, very exciting to see that. Barefoot Supremo came second in the 12th heat for the Hennessy family as well and the Murphy family of the Cayman Islands. Paul Hennessy has a very, very strong team in this year's Irish Greyhound Derby. As he does every year, of course, he won it a number of years ago with Ty Rhino and looks to make another success this year. Back in third in the same race was Ireland's own for Mert Lahey and the McLean Avenue Syndicate. And last but not least, Beach Avenue, a greyhound whose name has been mentioned many, many times in this slot, came out on top. What a wonderful servant he has been at a price of 6-1. to one. He came home victorious in a clock of 29.71, making it his 17th victory and winning €30,000 in prize money to date in his career. Beach Avenue, what a fantastic servant he has been to Paul Hennessy and his team. Kilkenny Greyhound Owners and Breeders Association have been running a tipping competition for this year's Irish Greyhound Derby. €2,000 to the winner for this one. And of course, our very own Shane O'Keefe put in a very strong entry last night, as, as did I. Shane came out with a very strong result last night, having three winners, four seconds and two thirds. He's a natural at this Greyhound game. So hopefully he can continue to bang in the winners tonight as we look forward to another 13 heats of this year's Boyle Sports Irish 
Greyhound Derby. Really exciting stuff. Lots of local interest tonight. Very, very some strong local runners. The likes of Stories Peewee for Mert Lahey running in the fourth race, in the fifth race. Lots of locally connected greyhounds here. The likes of Flamin' Moneybags for the Castle Comer crew of Tom Dwyer, Tony Brophy. And some boys from Leash turn in to the mix as well. He was victorious last time out in 29.69. Runkle Kenny, a very, very nice prospect is Flamin' Moneybags. In the same race, Hello Hammond for Paul Hennessy runs from Trap 4. And in the same one from the Stripes of Trap 6, Paul Hennessy has I'll Not Be Back running in the fifth race in Children Park tonight. In the seventh race in Shelburne Park tonight, Thomas Buggy has a strong hand in this year's derby with Kilgraney Sydney having done a 29.57 clock trial the last time around. Very, very impressive run indeed. He also has Hare Leary for the Kings of Wicklow Syndicate in the same race running from the black jacket of Trap 4. In the ninth race, we have Trap 4, Droopy's Gloss for Mert Lahey. And John Coleman, they teamed up last night to great success with Drupi's nice one and they looked to team up the success in the ninth race of the Wild Sports Irish Greyhound Derby round one tonight. And in race 11, very, very strong hand here with Kilgraney Clang for Thomas Buggy and Mary Buggy, of course, of Bagnellstown Carlow, has four races, one today, 28-48, victory in Shelburne Park, is a very nice line of form here for Kilgraney Clang, and could give the Ball Sports Irish Greyhound Derby a series rattle this year, so best of luck to all locally connected Greyhounds, best of luck to our own Shane O'Keefe, as he has 13 tips, entered in the 2000 Euro to the winner, Kilkenny Goba tipping competition, has three winners on the board last night, very, very solid beginning, and I'm sure lots more winners tonight. So best of luck to all locally connected greyhounds in round one of this year's Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby continuing tonight in Shelburne Park. First race off at 7.15. You can catch all the action on the Barking Buzz app. Look at greyhoundracingireland.ie and follow the link for the Barking Buzz app. You can catch all the action there. Quarter past seven, your first race in the continuation of the Boyle Sports Irish Greyhound Derby. Best of luck to all locally connected runners tonight. <laughs> That was Joe talking about all the things Greyhounds. It's now time for Eddie Scally, who had some unfortunate news in regards to the Goran Festival of Speed. I'm delighted to be joined by the presenter of Friday Night Scoreline, the Clash Act presenter, Blacks and Whites manager, Goran Park manager, the Wexford manager. He is the beautiful, he is the stallion, Eddie Scally. Eddie, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> how are you saying? How are you? Did you like the intro? A very good intro, yeah, yeah. I was nearly getting wondering who, who, who's coming on before me. <laughs> <laughs> I probably left a few things out there as well, Eddie, but uh, yeah, unfortunate news coming on Thursday in regards to the Goran Festival of Speed. It uh, came to a halt over insurance issues. Yeah, look, it, it, was, it was really disappointing, Shane. Um, you know, it's an event that we started off with, like, we, we in its infancy, we created the event it's, uh, ourselves. There was kind of six or seven of us got involved in it we used to have a, a kind of a demo run around Goran Park uh, a group of guys just come car enthusiasts and once a year they'd take cars out for a little spin there was nothing any crazy about it but we kind of built it up over the years and and it, and it turned into a really big event you know the Festival of Speed and we had <coughs> pardon me many different sideline attractions and whatnot <coughs> going on um, all around the track but 
kind of last year was the first year we were kind of ran into difficulties with getting insurance um, and I think believe it or not it was more COVID that saved us than anything last year in the sense that the insurance companies that, that, that agreed to kind of underwrite the event did so because we had a limited attendance so this year when we put in for our insurance policy we you know in fairness to our own brokers they, they went far and wide to try and get us full insurance for the event and which isn't nor uncommon for an event like this you know you're, you're all of these boxes aren't kind of t- boxed off until the very last minute but on monday of this week the, the main people that were looking at sponsoring the event have come back to us and said look we need you to be a static event and you know at that point then we started going into english markets into and further into Europe, even into Chinese markets for insurance and whatnot, because a festival of speed as a static event just wouldn't work, you know. So we could have had a car show per se, but we felt that it would damage the brand that we had created by doing something like that. And uh, we had a meeting Wednesday night, late Wednesday night. We spoke with the insurance brokers again, and we were told that it wasn't something that money was going to fix. But unfortunately, no underwriter would take the risk uh, that's going to be done with, with cars driving on the track at high speed. So unfortunately, we had to make the decision to pull it. Um, and... You know, worryingly, because we went so far into it and we did everything we could, I'd be, I'd be very worried about the future of the event in general, not alone for this year, but maybe for forever again. But we are looking at it now, you know, really already looking at it for next year to see if this is something that we're going to be able to ensure, but it's not looking very positive. Was this um, something that, building up to the event, that you were conscious of it wasn't getting sorted or was it almost like, no, that it should be fine and it's generally always fine? Or was there a kind of growing anxiety amongst the committee that this isn't happening? Every year, the insurance is an issue. Every year. Like, the worst one I had was in the second year. We didn't get the insurance policy over the line until, I think it was nearly 10 o'clock on the Saturday night and the, insur- the, the event was the next day. So, I've kind of learned in the past that these things, you know, take a bit of time to broker and, and you have to work with it. But what's what really killed us this year was the, the, the fact that the insurance companies that were coming back to us were coming back and demanding that this was a static event. So basically every car would have to be on site before 10 a.m. on the day of the event and would have to remain parked until after 5 p.m. on the day of the event. So we can have no cars moving, at the, you know. And, and every underwriter came back with that stipulation, which totally you know, rolled off the event. Now, the difference, and because I've had a few people contacting me and say, like, Heatwave is on in, in Naves next week, um, a car, which is a car event, an event in Mondello. The difference in the Goran Festival of Speed and, say, Heatwave is in the Goran Festival of Speed, Shane O'Keefe could be driving a Subaru Impreza. You can come to the Festival of Speed. You can register in the Festival of Speed, sign your waivers, and go out on our track and, and, and rally on the track for three laps and you get five spins at that so you get 15 laps in total but it's first lap is to get up your pace second lap is at full tilt and third lap is easing back down that's not what happens at any of these other events at these other events it's professional drivers putting on demonstrations but in our event we were kind of allowing and in fairness you know it wasn't that they were all novices we were bringing in rally drivers from all over Ireland but we were also bringing in some of the top rally drivers in the world and that's where the insurance difficulties were coming in on the on the basis that they were too frightened that there was too many people coming in and they'd all have to come under our insurance because they're driving on our track. So it wasn't a pricing issue, it was more that you couldn't get it only under the conditions of it being a static event. This is it, yeah. No, there was no like we, we, we had looked at it and we said, right, no matter what to come back with here with a policy, we're so deep into it, we we'll spend what we have to spend to run the event. 
but it, it wasn't a case of something that we could throw money at. It was a case of the underwriters were saying, absolutely, under no circumstances are we insuring the event. So, you know, we felt ourselves that, you know, if we ran a static show, that you came to Goran, and the, the thing is branded as the Goran Festival of Speed, that's what we market it at. And then you arrive out to Goran Park, and everything is parked, and you can just go and look at the cars. That's not what we're about. And you can do that every Sunday all over the country with cars and coffee and all these things. So, we just felt that no, we can't. So what we are actively looking at now is seeing if we can get some of the rally insurance companies to come with us and uh, look at doing it. But the biggest thing that's happened, Shane, in the last couple of years is Brexit, believe it or not, and it's the first time I've experienced issues. I've experienced issues with Brexit. We're trying to get stuff imported from the UK that we'd need for the track. But this has been the single biggest one because the UK insurance brokers have pulled out of the Irish market, the underwriters that do the big motorsport events and the whole lot. And, and I think motorsport in general is struggling hugely to get insurance for different things as well. So we're just the victim of that, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, it, it isn't something that there was issues before, was it? Like, in, you've been running now the past few years. So it hasn't stemmed from anything like that. There just seems to be a bit more cautious. Am I correct? That's it, yeah. Well, see, there's less competition now. So, like, we've we've had no claim in seven years. Um, but, but prior to this, when we were going out to the market looking for people to insure the events, you could have maybe 150 or 200 different insurance companies all looking at it. The UK is massive for motorsport in general like they've got their own Goodwood Festival of Speed you've got the rally the tracks over there the Silverstones and these places as well the, the motorbike tracks so the UK is, is a really strong market but the UK insurance underwriters aren't looking at the Irish market anymore and then like one of the insurance companies and we won't make it a big political broadcast on a sports show but one of the insurance companies that came back for one of the demos that was on in the day when I read the fine print in it it said that any claims taken against this company so there was a demo going to be on at the Goran Festival of Speed if these guys caused an accident the claims could only be heard in a UK court and when I looked into that they felt that they wanted to have so if you were at that and you broke your leg or something watching that demo if you wanted to sue there you had to sue them in a UK court and the reason for that is they felt that the UK courts would pay out far less than the Irish court system so you know this is, we're the victims of, of what has become a, a really really tough place in uh, both countries to get insurance because there's so many claims in this country. Yeah, I can see the comments under the social media post that you made and it seems to be that kind of sentiment that's shared. So, you don't know what's happening for, with the future of Festival of Speed? I don't, but I can assure you there won't be any announcement of a Festival of Speed happening in 2023 until I see an insurance document down in front of me to tell me <laughs> it's, it's fully insured. It won't be the week of it. Um, you know, I, I, personally, I've learned a huge amount this week. Um, you know, it's it's the first time I've ever experienced something like this. And and you know, in fairness to the committee, obviously, I'm a full time employee of Goran Park, and it's my face, and I represent the track. But the committee that are there with me on this are all volunteers, and you know, some super guys like you know Paul Doyle there does a bit with KCLR. You know, Paul is on the committee with us, and there's there's other guys as well, Mick Brady, Pat Coffey. They're all super super fellas, giving up their time. You know completely and utterly voluntarily to run these events and, and, and we've all you know we really took a kick in the stomach this week and it's been very tough but it's been more tough on these guys they've given up every Monday night for the last 12 months to plan for this event and then it's pulled you know tomorrow it should be on and the weather and everything was perfect for it but look it is what it is and we, we live to fight another day 
And going on to different matters then, Eddie, uh, the Goran Park in itself, you know, you had uh, racing there, I'd say it was, what, about two weeks ago at this stage, and you're coming off a ladies' day turn to locals as the style went up on display at Goran Park only last month. What's coming up in the fixture list? Yeah, look, it's it's, it's, it's it's good all go for us, thank God, at the race course. Um, we race in on Wednesday, the 31st of August, which is Wednesday week. It's a flat meeting that's on during the day. That'll be kind of bringing, it's getting towards the end of our flat season now, you know, because we're starting to get ready for the jump season. But we race on the 31st. Uh, but the next proper big day in Gorham Park will be the 17th of September, which is Denny Cordell Day. It's our biggest flat meeting of the year. It's a group three race. So that's something that I'm really, really looking forward to, the, the Denny Cordell uh, people, they haven't been able to attend with us in the last number of years due to COVID, so we haven't seen a lot of them. Barney himself, Denny's son, was, was quite sick, and he's up and on the mend again, so he's hoping to come across. So this is a, a fixture that you'd love yourself. Like, I mean, the, the people that have turned up for that, we've had the Rolling Stones at this race meeting, we've had Lily Allen at this race meeting, the Coronas, Shane McGowan, Yasmin Guinness. You just don't know who's coming, but there's always someone there, and it's... <laughs> I've walked into walls now, kind of turning back. I remember um, when I was I was into the bar, the smaller bar, and Yasmin Guinness was standing chatting to Lily Allen at the bar counter when I went in. <laughs> and I said it to the barman, I said, I just, God, that, Jesus, your one's gorgeous. And uh, he's like, yeah, she's a supermodel, uh, Yasmin Guinness. <laughs> I had to go back outside then and compose myself because I realised Lily Allen was standing beside her as well. But it was, um, it, it's just a brilliant fixture. And, and, and the Cordells themselves are just, they're just a wonderful family. I've supported that race in memory of their dad for, coming up on 24, 25 years. He was one of the most famous music producers of his time. Um, produced Procol Harlem, that Whiter Shade of Pale song, discovered Bob Marley and the Wailers, did a load of work with the Rolling Stones. Like This guy was a, an absolute genius. It sounds like it's going to be all goes in September. But uh, talking about fixtures, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about your beloved Leeds. You're going up against Chelsea tomorrow. How do you see that one going? Are you happy with all the signings that you've made? Yeah, look, I think I think I'd be I'd be very happy with the signings, and I'd also be very happy with the start that we've had this season. We won the first day out. Should have won last weekend, two 0 up. It was it was criminal that we didn't. Uh, the new manager, the jury, still out on him a little bit with most Leeds fans, but I think he was very slow to make substitutions. But it's easy to say that after the event and I think you know from being in management myself I know sometimes you can you know be slow to make substitutions because you're afraid that a substitution might change the pattern of the game so I think in Jesse I'd, I'd give him a bit more time Chelsea tomorrow I would imagine it'll be a bridge too far you know for us Chelsea are a, a top four club um, you know Leeds we've much bigger fish to fry I don't think beating the likes of Chelsea is, is on the agenda for us but I'd be thrilled to get any form of a result tomorrow um, with Chelsea I think it'll be brilliant but Genuinely for me, I think the fact that we started so well with so many new signings and they're looking so well, they're adapting to the English game. I think I think we're in for a pretty good season. I'd be very, very hopeful of a top 10, 10 finish for Leeds. And you know, compounding my enjoyment of watching Leeds, it's watching the turmoil at Manchester United at the same time. It's just, <laughs> I do who's coming. Like perfect season for me so far. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty shocking what's happening at Manchester United or what seems to be happening at Manchester United. We'll be talking more about that at four o'clock with a member of uh, the Manchester United Supporters Club. But yeah, it's uh, it's not been nice, I can assure you of that. But it's a real relegation three-pointer tomorrow as well. Our Monday night <laughs> Six-pointer. Six-pointer. Well, in this case, it could be a three-pointer. I think every point counts because I asked the lads in work if, if United beat Liverpool, you know, and I seen a picture the other day with Old Trafford on fire and the Glazers standing looking at it. I was like, if United beat Liverpool, they're a point ahead of Liverpool who are still, you know, 
second favourites to win the league, but there's massive crisis in United. I don't know. I think I think everybody gets carried away a bit too quickly, and I think I love this blaming the owners. Like I mean, the owners haven't kicked the football. They're after spending close to a billion euro on Old Trafford, but it's their fault. I uh, I don't know how do players not take any responsibility anymore. Yeah, um, I, I think the owners do have a lot to answer for in regards to what has happened to the club over the past few years but certainly the players as well I think it all comes down from the top and if there's this kind of lethargic uh, so it seems kind of message coming through Manchester United over the past few years it's going to inevitably reflect on the players and you're going to get those type of performances like they had against Brentford Yeah maybe a couple of seasons in the championship will start soften the confidence United you know, fans maybe, maybe you're just a all of you guys you've had it too easy for too long and I think put you back down where you belong and give you 10 or maybe 7 or 8 years in the championship we don't have to listen to you anymore and we'll see how you go then well, Leeds never went away when we didn't have to listen to you for 16 years and what a glorious 16 years it was Eddie thanks very much you're going to be back next Friday night are you? We're back next Friday night, Jay, and hopefully we'll be talking about Leeds' amazing win against Chelsea, and we'll be looking forward to the Senior Hurling Championships. There's no Senior Hurling this weekend, but we're back next weekend. We'll have Senior Club Hurling. But well done as well this morning to Young Ireland there. They beat Thomastown in the Intermediate Two points, yeah. Absolutely unbelievable game, but I think that the move of the whole game, Robbie Donnelly had a penalty save by I think Jason Brennan's the chap's name and goal. It was absolutely unbelievable, but a massive win for Goran, and, and, and look, it's it's great to see Goran on, a, on an upward trajectory, so that Intermediate Championship's going wide open, I think everybody had Thomas Down as clear favourites. Yeah, Thomas Down were undefeated, oh, I know it was only two games, but undefeated going into that game, but yeah, causing a shock, 120 to 219, so that's 25 points to 23 points, uh, great win there for Young Ireland. Yeah, I know, it's, it's fantastic. But as, as, as you rightly said, I know Thomas Dunn had only won their first two games, but they are overwhelming favourites for yeah. the Intermediate Champ. It just blows it right open. So, interesting times in Intermediate, some great games later today as well. So, look, at, uh, it's great to have this club hurling to keep us all excited. Certainly is. Eddie, thanks very much for taking the call, sir. Cheers, Shane. Mind yourself. Have a good day. I certainly will. And I'll have a better day if Leeds lose tomorrow, <laughs> just so I can see the look of disappointment on his face. <laughs> And finally, our own head of sports here at KCLR, the Joe Rogan of KCLR, the gentleman Ken Maguire, breaks down the weekend's fights with some local interest with Thundercat Miles Price. Scoreline, it is Shane O'Keefe here until 6 o'clock and lots and lots happening around the world of GEA and around the world of soccer, but around the fighting world as well. Last night, you had the heavyweight boxing clash between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk. You had UFC going on with Usman, the absolute venomous phenom in action. And we had our own. I was about to say Magic Miles Price, but we found out yesterday on the show he changed his name to Thundercat. Miles Thundercat Price was going up against former UFC fighter in the form of Marcin Held for the Professional Fighters League and their debut in London. Joining me now on the line is Casey Lars' own head of sport. He is the man who brought all things MMA to you for the longest time before Miles got back into the professional fight game. It is the gentleman. It is our own Joe Rogan. It is Ken Maguire. Ken, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm alright after all that. How are you? I'm very good. I suppose you have a bit of a tired head on you. There was so much fighting going on yesterday. 
Well, it was such a such a good night uh, for fights. To be fair, we started with um, you, uh, PFL, and for for people who aren't familiar with PFL and the professional fighters, he considered like um, you know an alternative to to UFC or Bellator as a US based promotion. And their fights are normally you know they follow American hours, so they start uh, late and they go on very much into the the wee hours of the night. So we've we've already seen Miles come through the PFL regular season um, this year. So he had uh, he had two fights for schedule for this year and two for for next year Uh, but these were like you know kind of the the 3 a.m editions of fights because in fairness to him he'd fought well he'd earned his spot Uh, he had two former UFC contenders in the regular season uh, and had made his way onto the the main card for both of those events back in in May and uh, May and June I think there was only about a month between them Uh, but last night um, so what BFL are doing is they're expanding and they're moving out into Europe and they're launching and getting ready to launch the European League uh, for fighters because there's such a wealth of fighters uh, on the European side of things and it can often be difficult to get European fighters into uh, the US visa issues and travel issues and training yeah. issues and, and all kinds of things so they're running with the European side of it so last night was a bit of a showcase where they did a, a big event in Cardiff last week and then they had the Copper Box Arena um, where uh, there was a lot of the Olympic um, events had taken place there in, in 2012 might have been built for it uh, for the Olympics but Miles very much uh, part uh, of that Marcin Hell as you mentioned uh, another former UFC contender didn't have the greatest at times in the UFC had a four fight contract there uh, one uh, one fight uh, of the four but uh, he's, a, he's a tough guy he's a, a jiu-jitsu specialist Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist uh, very very good uh, on the ground and we figured that at some stage this fight would go to the ground the first round and Miles was the last fight as well. So for a card that had started at six o'clock yesterday evening, uh, f- you know, for a kind of a, a strange kind of US audience, and then they they lumped in all the the main event fights were in the middle of the evening, and then these extra kind of European fights for the European market were at the end of the night. Uh, so Miles was the very last one out. Could have been after. 10 o'clock or, or half 10 it was kind of teeing up to, to finish just in line for the start of the Joshua Usyk fight um, so he looked very good uh, to be fair to him uh, in the opening round and in the opening exchanges a uh, couple of tough knocks probably a, a 10-9 round for for Marcin in the in the first round uh, and Wiles just looked the, the happier fighter I'm not quite sure um, we, we didn't get to, to touch base on the on the, the finesse of the arrangement for the London fight but he looked like a guy who had uh, nothing to lose like we've spoken to Miles already in that the deal that he has with the PFL would enable him to fight in the US again next year so this kind of seemed like it was it was a bonus Bonus fight for for want of a better word, um, so uh, took the the held fight on. Uh, very good exchanges in the opening round. Uh, looked like a guy who was absolutely buzzing to be there and happy to be there at the weigh-ins in London on Friday. He had said that he was uh, pl- very much planning on on using the week and the the weekend and the the fight in London to make a big statement for the twenty twenty three season because there's a million dollars on the line in these things. There's a, there's a lot of cash at stake, yeah. um, but. As the fight progressed into the second round, uh, eventually it went onto the ground. And then you're going to see a test of Miles Jiu-Jitsu and Marcin's uh, Jiu-Jitsu side of things. And unfortunately for for Miles, Marcin came out on on top of this one. Some very good scrambles, some good escapes. He had Mick Brennan from um, uh, Rhino in his corner as well. And you can can hear him quite audibly, you know, encouraging Miles to get back to his knees, get back to his feet. And he was doing well to to move out of uh, a lot of, of Marcin's attempts. But... 
just ended up kind of rolling into one uh, guillotine submission went straight on and Miles was, was in with the tap on the opposite side so it finished with a, a loss for him unfortunately about three minutes into round two um, and you could see the disappointment in him I haven't spoken to him since and we'll probably do a bit of a catch up on it during the week um, but it makes uh, on paper it makes a third uh, loss from on the the PFL side of things. I mean, he probably should have won, and probably should have been been credited with the win for the the Jeremy Stevens fight last time out. It was a fairly contentious split decision win. Um, he was he was beaten straight up in the Anthony Pettis fight back in May, uh, and last night will probably bring a, an air of an air of disappointment in him. But he he look at it and go, okay, well, do you know what? Now I've got something new to work on. I'm going to go away and work on that and then come back for the 2023 season, get back to the States uh, and get back in the mix again. Good, good fight though. And a very good card as well. If people are, if people are curious or they're, they're tired of, of UFC events, a lot of what the PFL are doing and they've, they do have former UFC fighters in there and Bellator fighters in there. Um, they've just signed uh, Shane Burgos out of the UFC and, a lot of these guys that these guys that Miles have come up against uh, are big names and have been former champions as well. Uh, so he's he's been well tested. It just didn't work out from last night. I was going to ask you. He caught he caught Marcin held in a guillotine of his own. It looked like obviously he didn't have it all because he couldn't wrap his legs around it. But it looked very tight around the neck, and I think the commentators thought mm, this could be it as well. So it's interesting that it you said his trainer Mick Brennan was telling him to get up, whereas we know. We know Miles for his renowned jujitsu skills. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, encouraging him, encouraging him to get up was probably more on the defensive side yeah. and work his way, work his way back around to his knees, work his way back to a to a turtle to that kind of, you know, kind of leaned over uh, position, and then eventually work his way back up to the cage. He did have his own attempt in, uh, probably a little bit high in his in his shouldering in his shoulder positioning. If anybody wants the visuals to go along with this, they're all on Scoreline.ie. You can watch the full fight back from last night, uh, and you do need to bring kind of you know the legs into play and start getting very kind of anaconda and snakeish and starting to tie up your your opponent in there and then you know when you're the last fight in and when it's a hot space and you know guys are starting to sweat and things start to get a, a little bit kind of looser or, or, or slippy or sometimes it can be tricky to hold on to those uh, hold on to those holds um, but look at I'm very much uh, delighted to be able to see him fight in there and delighted to be able to see him fly the flag for Kilkenny you'd mentioned the, the Thundercat side of things I can't remember the last time I've ever seen a fighter come out for a professional event uh, in any promotion wielding a 34 inch hurl that was brought <laughs> over uh, from Kilkenny and even the commentators are like what you know kind of what's going on here lads it's like it's, it's, it's very it's all, it's all part of his thing and he's absolutely loving it He's on a very good uh, deal with PFL. Um, they're really looking after their fighters and they're really doing as much as they can to, to promote the guys that they've brought on in the past 12 months. So does he have one fight left on the contract then? Uh, in theory, yes. So it was a... T- it was a- like a, a four fight two season deal so the way pfl differ from from other promotions is that they they run it like a league so your fights are there's a it's a much quicker turnaround so miles fought in may and then he had to fight in in june or july and then he's had to fight in in august and the guys that were fighting last night that were still in the the mix for the playoffs they'll fight last month uh last month this month and they'll fight next month and then they'll take 
you know, the winter off and then you're training for the start of your, your preseason and then you're into a season, your win gives you certain points. You get more points if you win in the first round or if you win in the second round, it's a little bit less or the third round, it's a little bit less again. And the fighters go into a league system. So whoever comes out on the top of the league, um, you know, uh, gets to advance to where where the big money is. Uh, didn't work out for him on the, on the league side of things. So as I would have understood it, that was his two fights. You're guaranteed a minimum two fights in the regular season, and then it's a bonus if you if you progress and you stay in the competition. But if not, he would have had two fights for this season and then two fights for next season. And then because last night was being billed as a lightweight showcase bout, I figured it was like, you know, okay, here's a kind of a, a main event teaser type of a thing for two really good European lightweights. We're trying to launch the, the European division this year. Um, these are, are two guys who have already been involved in it and come through the regular season. It didn't work out for, for Martin either uh, last year or this year. Um, but we'll probably see both of them again next season. Ken, I wanted to ask you something in regards to all the fights that I've watched with uh, Miles. Miles is a is a big guy in terms of he's he's quite tall. He's six foot one, and I I noticed the disparity in height with the the guys that he's up against. So the likes of Stevenson Helder down at what one point seven five meters, which is five seven, whereas Anthony Pettis is, is one point seven eight meters, which is five eight. Miles is six one. Does that work against him when he comes to a jiu-jitsu game? You're someone that's practiced it. He, you know, his limbs are longer. There's more for Martin Held to hold on to. Um, that I suppose that's a, that's a kind of an interesting uh, an interesting uh, way to, to theorize things. Um, does your height count against you at times? Uh, but I I don't I don't really think it does. Like the the whole art of the sport is is about making you know making use of of um skill and your elements in your training as opposed to what your size is whether you're a taller guy or whether you're a heavier guy whether you're a super light guy or a super short guy um uh, or 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 uh, in the, in the women's sport it's exactly the same side of things you know um would it have would it have given Marcin any advantage i don't particularly think so i think once you once you get to the ground uh, I think once you get to the ground, it's like you know somebody somebody says you know we're all the same size sitting down. Yeah. Um. Once you once you get to the ground, it's it's just kind of it's it's back into skill sets more so than you know the the length of your limbs. I know like you you'll talk about it and and it'll come up in the the boxing side of things and you'll see it, it's like oh his his kick reaches this long or his his arm reaches this long and he can punch an extra inch in advance. End of the day, it's it's about how you use it as opposed to what you're what you're measuring up as. And uh, looking then away at from the PFL to Saudi Arabia, Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. Joshua putting in a, maybe a bit of a better performance than he did the last time the two guys met. But in my opinion, didn't throw down as much as I was anticipating, especially with all the talk beforehand. He was outclassed by Usyk. He was. And it's I won't say like, Us- you know, Usyk didn't have to put in the effort for it because he did and in the latter rounds when he got to kind of rounds 9 and 10 it looked like oh geez maybe Joshua was actually onto something genuinely thought he was quite poor you know rounds 1 through 5 maybe started to pick up into the into the middle of the fight and at that stage you're looking at it like going I don't think Joshua has it in him to knock out Usyk but if this goes the distance I don't think he's going to get it on, on points and, and when we heard the result and it was a split decision so it was whatever one one fifteen one thirteen to, to Joshua and then one fifteen one thirteen to Usyk I'm like I don't know what the referees yeah. or which referee was, was watching was watching the fight because it was Usyk all the way and 
and I don't know what Joshua has to do after this as well because it's not like you can go oh do you know what we'll do a trilogy fight it's like there's no mileage in a trilogy fight I don't think anybody's going to care to see Joshua and Usyk fight anymore the Joshua Fury fight isn't going to happen if like Fury said that he might come out of retirement uh, and he might come out of retirement to face uh, Usyk and then last week he keeps like no 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 amount of money in the world I'm I'm very happy I'm, I'm staying where I am that's not going to happen still has that one belt uh, and yeah, I know Usyk had said afterwards that he's he's fairly sure that Tyson isn't actually retired uh, and wants to make the fight happen. Where Joshua goes after this, I don't know. Maybe gets white, maybe gets wilder, maybe has another two or three fights. Whether those fights are, are still in him, I, I, I don't know. He just looked, like you said, you know, you expect him to come out kind of all guns blazing. It was a little samey-samey when they fought in, in Tottenham. Um, and then at the end, you're like, oh, you know, it's it's a... It's a little bit disappointing, and then he he went he kind of went rogue, and obviously he's frustrated over the whole side of things, and takes a microphone and starts kind of stealing moments and throws belts out of the ring and walks off and has a bit of a tantrum, and then you know kind of comes back to to save face a little bit. Very very funny, very funny fight, um, and Usyk probably made it look a little bit easier for him than it was. Yeah, it was unfortunate to see Joshua and the, the tirade at the end, and I know that stole headlines, but the man was just after coming off 12 rounds with Alexander Usyk, a man who's just after coming from war as well. You know, you, you never know the emotion that can overtake you, and I'd probably give him a pass on, on everything after that because the adrenaline is running. You don't know what type of issues he may have been dealt with from that fight. Now, going on to the UFC, a man that has a bit of an issue in the fact that he lost his UFC title with a head kick. Yes, Usman losing out to Leon Edwards. How big of a shock was that? Uh, massive. Uh, this I, I genuinely, and I love Leon Edwards, and I've watched Leon Edwards fight, and I've watched his, his brother Fabian Edwards fight a few times, and I've I've, I've been to see them fight, and uh, I know that you know they've they've obviously uh, Leon and, and Camaro have obviously fought before. Um, and I, I didn't genu- I didn't genuinely think, you know, there's a little bit of kind of hope in the heart that goes, ah, maybe Leon will do this and we'll we'll get to see the fighter that he's he's meant to be. And he started very well. He could have put Usman away in the at the end of the first round. He's going for that rear naked choke. Uh, you know, Usman manages to make it to the bell. He and, and Leon starts to fade a little bit from, from the second and then there was a like a big third round from Usman in that it went to the fourth and Usman Usman can do this for days. Like he's he's got plenty of five rounders um under his belt now at this stage. And going into the fifth round, you're thinking Leon Edwards is really down on the scorecards. Usman is Usman is kind of looking tired but this guy could probably do another five rounds if he needed to. And we don't think that anything is going to change. Nothing is going to be different about this. And you're listening to the commentary and you've got Daniel Cormier as a former world heavyweight and light heavyweight champion. You've got Joe Rogan there. You've got Jan Anik there. And they're all writing off Leon Edwards. And there's four minutes left in the round and it's like, oh, you know, Edwards has got to do something big. He's got to pull this out of the bag. He's just, he looks like a guy who's just resigned himself to losing. He's not listening to his coaches. He's keeping his head down. He looks like he's ashamed. And you're like, Jesus, I, I, I don't know. There's still that little bit of heart that, that will drive Edwards on. He's made it to the kind of the 21 minute mark and the 22 minute mark out of 25. If he can hang on to the end and it goes to the judges scorecards, he's not going to win it. But the fight is never over until the fight is over. And just inside 60 seconds remaining, he 
uh, he he just he goes with a like with a with a, a straight jab on on the left hand side, and Usman kind of ducks down a little bit, and then the left head kick, high kick, is right there, straight behind the ear, uh, and drops Usman like a shot, and the entire arena, and like uh, I'm you know I'm kind of watching it, I'm watching it back, and I and I watched it back again this afternoon just to to watch the build up of it. Hundred percent, Edwards was written off from the second third round onwards. Uh, and this is this is going to be like this is going to cause a, a, a serious upset. I think Ripple people effect. have kind of banked on. Oh yeah, people have banked on on Usman being there. There's going to be some amount of people that are going to be barking for a shot at, at Leon Edwards. Uh, McGregor is Conor McGregor's been talking about coming back. At, I was at about to say because there was That's, that kind of fight with Usman that it seemed to be lining up, and then Edwards did the McGregor walk at the end as well. McGregor came yeah. out and said, "I'd love a crack at the title somewhere down the line. Gimme, gimme, gimme." So it's all happening in the UFC. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I I I reckon what will happen and what probably makes more sense from the UFC's point of view uh is to do a straight up rematch. Yeah. Um number 3 at Wembley. Yeah, they kind of, yeah, and that's the thing. Would they do it in the UK? It'd it'd be huge. I mean, like McGregor won those titles, and they were never going to let him defend a title in the US or in in Ireland because the money is in the US and and the numbers are in the US and the sponsors are in the US and blah de blah. Uh, and it's probably too soon to be looking at going out to Abu Dhabi in October or getting something in before the end of the year. But I I would hazard it's going to be Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman as a as a repeat. But if they were to sneak in, um, if there was to sneak in McGregor in there for a crack at at Edwards, very different story in that fight compared to McGregor taking on Usman. I wouldn't rate him at all on that one. Well, Ken, thanks very much. On your day off, nonetheless, coming in and filling us in on everything that happened in the fighting world last night. I'd say you're in your absolute element, and I'll be seeing you Wednesday as I take my Mondays and Tuesdays off. <laughs> <laughs> no other words to you then. Thanks very much. The head of sport here at KCLR, Mr. Ken McGuire, giving us a rundown on everything that is happening within the fighting world. Lots still to come here on Scoreline. We'll have some reaction to Leeds and Chelsea coming up in just a few moments. Stick around. That's been Scoreline Extra. You can join us live every weekend from 2 to 6 where you'll hear interviews like this and lots, lots more. I've been Shane O'Keefe. Stay safe, stay sane. Remember, your sound out.